You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Help me. Well, hello (laughs) and welcome to episode number 176 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me this week are my two co-hosts, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Hello, hello, hello. It's... um, Yeah, I don't really know what to say. <laughs> I have no words. I'll leave everyone else. Right, to we'll just you. We'll, we'll leave you yeah. again with a yeah. pressing yeah. button yeah. of things and All stuff right, like thanks. that. Yeah, yeah. but uh, you're okay, then, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good, I'm fine. Good. I've, I've, how, I've never uh, been better. How are you, Nev? <laughs> yeah, good actually. Uh, but very busy week last week, and uh, more of the same coming up. Um, I've been on the tools uh, for work, what? which is never a good thing. Good heavens! Uh, all my engineering chums hate me for it, but you know, okay. I'll give it a go. So, right. uh, yeah. What? Because now, now I, I reckon they lo- they don't like it for the right reasons or the wrong reasons. <laughs> if you see what I mean, because it's just like, no, you're going to do it properly today because I have my own special OCDs. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see how we go on next week. But, any, yeah, 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 great to be back on the show again. Any flying uh, this week at all? Uh... Nev, any sort of no, BA, uh, no flying for about a month, and I'm <gasps> off to what? Washington oh, DC. I think it is on the Ooh. 12th of September for a few days, um, and then what after? Oh, then in, then in October I'm off to Brazil uh, for work as well. Um, so uh, yeah, nothing. Nice for... knowing you. Okay. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there you go. Put together the ransom money now. I've, I've checked the FCO uh, website for right. the travel advisories. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. It's not great. I have to be, I have to be fair. <laughs> So as you can probably hear uh, uh, in the background there, because uh, and it's the reason why I'm frankly having a nervous breakdown so early in the show, it gives my great pleasure to welcome the legend that is Captain Al. Hello, sir. A very good day to you, and uh, I hope that I don't cause you too much of a headache. I mean, I can't <laughs> see that I do anything wrong. Oh, right. Good. Uh, <laughs> also, also, <laughs> swiftly moving on, also joining us uh, uh, live f- uh, on location in a, in a rather uh, Ooh, distant lo- part of the location. world. We do like on location. I mean, we did a whole air, we did a whole air show on location last week. She's on oh, holiday. It's ice cream time, everyone. Ow, ow. Oh, yeah. The ice, ice cream bands are right. <laughs> I'll have a 69. No, a 99. I've got right. Get the two confused. Do, <laughs> moving on quickly. Moving on then. She... <laughs> yes, yes. Let's move on. <laughs> you guys wanted to talk to me, didn't you? I know. <laughs> That'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> so most of you will uh, will know our Love next uh, next <laughs> guest on the show, and uh, she's uh, uh, well. Like I said, she's on holiday, but she's yeah. very very kindly joined us this morning for the show. Uh, she's Miss Well 2017. Right. Now welcome on, Doctor <laughs> Steph. <laughs> Well, hello, gentlemen, and hopefully my bandwidth is holding up because I can hear everything perfectly until you ask me to talk, and then it starts breaking up, so hopefully this is coming through okay, but yes, I am um, on vacation. It's the last day of my vacation. I'm actually just here at the hotel waiting for my flight, which actually doesn't leave for another, like, five and a half, six hours, so this was was good timing. um, Makes a change. Yeah, here in in lovely Costa Rica. I've been here for the past four or five days or so. Wow. Enjoying myself and um, so yeah. now, now you've been doing lots and lots of training, obviously, because there's a certain marathon coming up very soon, of which I'm sure sponsorship links are already well and truly out there. Um, but um, <laughs> how, how goes the training? Are you are you as far ahead as you hope at this stage? Yeah, the training's been good. I've actually done. Um, I was supposed to do a 20 mile run today, but clearly that's not going to happen in my current location. So I'll put that off for another day. But I've done the 19 mile already. I did 13 last week. And I actually got some hill training in this week while I was here because everything is very hilly here in Costa Rica in the mountains. So that was, that was wow. good. Wow. 
It's safe to say, Steph, though, that we've been following or have been seeing a few pictures and that you've you've had some quite interesting weather uh, <laughs> where you've been uh, with some uh, some good dismantling of local roads. Exactly. Well, this is it's the rainy season here. I guess it's just rainy season and dry season. Otherwise, the temperature pretty much stays the same. Um, and the first few days, we were very lucky. There was not a whole lot of any precipitation, just sunny skies, um, cool, you know, well, relatively cool temperatures um, compared to in the southern U.S. where I am currently or most of the time. Um, but yeah, uh, two nights ago, so not last night, but the night before, we were actually out enjoying the local hot springs. And towards the end of the evening, as we were eating dinner, the skies just opened up, you know, torrential downpours, thunder, lightning, all this stuff. And we went back, you know, traveling on the little mountainous roads back to our hotel. And everything was fine until we were about 100 meters from the actual hotel entrance. And the small little creek that was flowing down, you know, in the little ravine there before uh, we left had turned into this raging river and had washed away the road and there were trees down in the road and you could hear the, <laughs> the water just carrying like boulders and rocks wow. down the side of the mountain and we're like well we're not getting through there and you know it's like the horrible thing is you can see just on the other side of this river like that's the hotel it's right there that's where all of our stuff is oh, no man. one brought anything we're all wearing like swimsuits um so then we were like well you know i guess we're gonna have to figure out plan b so mm. fortunately um the tour group was pretty accommodating they actually found us another hotel room in town so we went out, we went to a little convenience store. We were buying like toothpaste and toothbrushes and stuff because <laughs> no one had anything. And um, then we actually got a hotel. The, the rain had let up a little bit and we got a call from the hotel saying, um, no, it's, it's okay. We're getting people across now. You can come back if you want. So we we're like, well, we'd rather go back to where all of our stuff is. Yeah. So we go back down the little two lane road through the mountains into the, you know, back where the hotel is. And um, we get there and it's still, you know, a pretty decent river running across the road. But they've cleared out one little path and they have, you know, just a little truck that everyone's piling into the back of carrying people back and forth across the, the river. So wow. that, uh, yeah. that's how we got back to the hotel. A, 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 memor a memorable holiday then, I think, but maybe not for the right reasons. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Indeed. So yeah, that us... whole little uh, you know, detour was about three hours by the time we like <laughs> tried to go back to the hotel initially and then got, you know, sent away basically and rode around town for a little while figuring out what to do and then actually got back into the hotel about three hours. Wow. So typical uk weather don't stop, stop it. it moving on so moving on <laughs> um joining us as well from uh, across uh, across the well across the oceans yes he's the executive producer on the airplane geeks podcast and we've got a little intro music to play here especially for this uh, guest here we go la international airport <laughs> right okay that's quite country <laughs> So welcome onto the show. <laughs> it's Brian Coleman. <laughs> that is brilliant. Yeah, I, I, I had such a good uh, uh, aviation weekend on Friday. Went to the Flight Path Museum. Not sure if you guys can see yeah, that. Yeah, we can see that. Yeah. Um, the brochure for the museum. <laughs> uh, so this place is at LAX. Never knew it existed. <clears throat> lived here for a really, really long time and uh, drove by, went into the museum. They have a really neat collection of all sorts of memorabilia about LAX and a whole bunch of airlines that have gone out of business. And they apparently have the world's largest collection of flight attendant uniforms. Wow. And 
Yeah, they had thousands of uniforms that people had donated. And here's just this little gem of an aviation museum at LAX. And they, of course, told me about the song and had to go to YouTube and find it. (laughs) Find it. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I mean, surely that is the officially the. I'm sure somebody out there will now correct me, but is the, I'm sure that's the only airport with its own theme song. <laughs> <laughs> and, and rightfully so. Right, yeah. yeah maybe keep it that way. Uh, yes. Unless anyone's done a song entitled London Southend International Airport. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> it's very, it's very oh. near London, not. Oh, uh, no. Lon- London End In the same Airport. way that Luton uh, is yeah. very close to London. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it is the 6th of August. It's Sunday, and it's just coming up to 25 past two in the afternoon here in the UK. Mm. Uh, welcome, everyone, in the chat room who's joined us from across, literally across the globe today. We've got loads of uh, different people from around the world. Sorry, the they're room. saying in the chat room here is because obviously they've got the camera on behind you. Have you got a garage sale going on behind you at the moment with these piles of leads? All over I don't your know, room? but I've got, I've got a money spider. Oh, we've got a money spider. Oh, good oh, news. Excellent. I'll put it on the laptop. I'll give us good luck. <laughs> yeah. There we go. yeah. Can you put it on my laptop, please? I'm the one that needs the luck. Oh, yeah. uh, anyway. So welcome, everyone, who's joined us in the chat room from across the globe. Hope you've, uh, hope you've all had an exciting weekend. It's Sunday. We'll back to work tomorrow. Mm-hmm. How depressing. Yeah, right, okay. Well, not for me, because I enjoy my job. Right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Some of us are at work at the moment. Yeah, Steph's having a, lo- a tough last yes. day of her vacation. I, yeah, I'm back to work tomorrow too, but I haven't been at work since last Tuesday, okay. so I'm, so I'm okay. So I'll yeah. live. You, you'll you'll yeah. cope with it, yes. <laughs> so I suppose we better and start things off, don't we? 7 a.m. and I'm having a beer. So. Yeah, that's oh, right. We'll gloss beer, over that and move on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yes. So we are going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if we're all ready uh, yes I'm ready everyone yes, else so. yeah. yes. <laughs> ready. Okay. Yeah, yeah. let's go let's just go let's go So, kicking off this week's first news story, and this one is on the telegraph.co.uk website, so it's obviously extremely posh. And uh, this is a story that came up just this week on the uh, the Air Force One new aircraft, and the headline on here, New Air Force One planes could come from bankrupt Russian airline. So, the uh, next generation uh, of... The, the boss has just joined us in the chat room, oh, by the way. Oh, Jeff, Captain yeah, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Everyone behave. Behavior. Everyone behave. So, the next generation... He'll be, he'll be annoyed because we've, we've nicked one of his hosts. Gloss <gasps> um, over and move on. So, the next generation <laughs> of Air Force One planes could come from a bankrupt Russian airline. Uh, the U.S. Air Force is understood to be in talks with Boeing about buying two Boeing 747s, which were mothballed after the Russian airline Transaero went bust in 2015. It comes months after Donald Trump bemoaned the cost of replacing Air Force One, which, contrary to popular belief, is named shared by two jets, one of which is used as a spare. It's understood the deal could save the U.S. Air Force millions of dollars. A spokesperson for Boeing confirmed that it was seeking to procure two great value 747-8 jets for the US Air Force. The deal is focused on providing a great value for the Air Force and the best price for the taxpayer, Boeing told. 
Uh, and the Transaero reportedly placed an order for four of these uh, 747-8 jets back in 2013, but it went bust just two years later. It's understood that Boeing only tested two of the aircraft, which have since been stored at a holding facility in the Mojave Desert. Uh, Boeing typically sells the 747-8s for around $390 million, or £297 million, but it's uh, unclear what uh, discount might be they might be willing to give on the mothballed jets. Converting the 747-8 jets uh, fit for a president has been estimated to cost upwards of $3.2 billion, a price Donald Trump has previously described as ridiculous. That's one of the more... Was he referring to himself there, yeah. was he? Good, right. <laughs> so the sale of the jets among airlines is common. The Telegraph recently reported on the saga of US Global Airways, previously known as Balito Airlines, which has existed for 27 years but has not yet flown a single flying passenger. It purchased a 747-200 from Pakistan International Airlines in 2009 and then brought a 747-200 uh, from Northwest Airlines in 2011. So, obviously, I mean, this is good news. We're going to be saving a few quid here and there. And, obviously, they need to replace the Air Force One because it's um, it's, a, it's an old, old airframe now. I think it's based on a 200 series, I think, the um, the current Air Force One uh, 747s. Just goes to show how popular these Boeing 747s are, isn't it? That it's sat in the desert, brand new, for two years, no one <laughs> wanting it in any way, shape or form. Right. Not even Coca-Cola to make tins out of for their drinks. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, there is that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I mean, is it really that desperately... I mean, you know, in times of austerity and things like that, do they really need to spend all this money on changing Air Force One? I mean, there's nothing wrong with for a while. What do you think, Steph? Oh, well, the I mean, existing you're... one's quite old, so yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, I, I think that it's about time to to get it updated. Uh, interestingly enough, yesterday I drove past the Palmdale Airport and saw the whole fleet of seven forty seven sitting out there, and there must be. I don't know, 40, 50 of them. Wow! Uh, had had I known, I would have gotten a little closer and taken a taken a yeah. photo for the yeah for the true. show. Yeah. Didn't Air Force One suffer a bit of an embarrassing moment um, a few months back? Where it couldn't what? get into an airport that other aircraft were landing at. <laughs> right. Okay. I have no idea. I, I, uh, do, this was due to the, the the lack of sophistication on its on its avionics, basically. So it couldn't. It, I'm trying to remember where it was now, but it was. Um, I think it might have been Palm Springs, actually, where... Uh, no, it Captain was L, it was actually because of its cargo. It had nothing to yeah. do with the aircraft. <laughs> yeah, it was more who it was carrying <laughs> rather, than, uh, yeah, rather than the avionics, yes. Okay. Uh, I seem to recall that it couldn't do the RNAV approach um, because of, it just can't because of its age. Yeah, I mean, brace yourselves, everyone. Captain L is actually being serious for a moment. I think that's what's causing uh, the alarm. Actually, uh, the... the, uh, the well, I was actually... Okay. Oh, go, go, I was just looking up. I was, I was trying to think how old the current um, Air Force One aircraft actually are, and it says first flight was May 16, 1987. So they are 747-200s. Wow. Yeah, the 200s. Yeah, they're a few, a few years old. And, and Captain Jeff has said, yes, Palm Springs. Correct. Yeah, right, there we are. And he's also saying that no RNAV See, approach See, I'm much ridiculed on this show. <laughs> but, you know. Yes. <laughs> no, there's no need for that, is there? Uh, yeah, Je Jeff, has, Jeff has said that there's no RNAV approach for capabilities, only right. VOR. So there we go. 
Uh, well, and if Jeff if Jeff says it is so, that it, that that will do for me. It certainly is. Yeah, yeah. that's the yeah. end of the matter. Yes. So moving on to the next story, and this one is obviously a special one, uh, just for uh, for right. you, Matt. Okay. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> story two, which means it's one thing and one thing only, which must. This is mean a nice story. It's a Ryanair story. Great news. Uh, this is on the Mail Online, therefore it must be immediately one hundred percent true. Second, of course, only to the Daily Express, and uh, the headline is Ryanair unveils new slimmer. Si- oh, good. What do you? I think you said this was a nice story. <laughs> You're so full of brown stuff. Ryanair <laughs> unveils new slimmer seats, which give passengers more legroom but still don't have seat back pockets. And here's the reason why. So Ryanair has unveiled the new designs for its new seats. That's right, Carlos. Give me a story that has pictures in it. Uh, <laughs> and there's some good and bad news. The, the good news, they offer an inch of extra legroom, 31 inches up from 30, while British wow. Airways will be reducing theirs to 20 as of next year. The bad news, the seats won't come equipped with the pockets on their backs, meaning passengers will continue to struggle with the faff of stowing their belongings. Uh, Ryanair's new seats, uh, will, will, which will be fitted to the Boeing 737 MAX 200, offer an extra inch of legroom. Um, uh, 31 up to 30, sorry, that's repeated itself there. The seats, which will be installed on the budget airline's new fleet of Boeing 737 MAX 200, will also be slimmer, meaning that the aircraft will have... Here we go. An extra one will have 197 seats rather than 189. The new planes are due. And that's I, I'm sorry, Matt. That's a sentence that really, really confused me. Yeah. How do on. they get more seats in simply because they made they made them slimmer? I I, I, I think they're <laughs> mixing two concepts here, and it's a bunch of brilliant reporting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like I said momentarily ago, obviously we can always rely on the Daily Mail for some quality journal- journalism. So here we are. Well, if you what they're not putting the story is that they're going to make the carpets thinner so they can accommodate taller <laughs> passengers. Excellent. Brilliant idea. I like it. So there we are. Perfect. Those are what the new Ryanair seats are going to look like when they go into the uh, aircraft. I think it was the MAX 200. I think they said the 737 MAX 200. If uh, you're watching, or sorry, not watching, if so you're listening no, no on the... Newspaper. Uh, sorry? What? There's nowhere to put your newspaper. No, no. Uh, your lap, possibly. You mm. know, they have got a lap tray still. Um, you know, but uh, mm. yes, if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, then uh, the picture was available on the Daily Mail website. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, they I mean, they look all right. Right. There's good. definitely a lack of um, storage space to put anything in, but that is typical of. Um, said yeah, but airline you, but you don't get <laughs> they're see, thin but you see <laughs> yeah. the thing is, is, is that I keep, I keep saying this but these are the buses of the skies aren't mm. they and there are very few buses where you have somewhere to stow stuff other than in the thingy above you you know what thingy is, right? Everybody knows what one of those is. What, the overhead bins? Yeah, yeah. that's that one. One of those yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. The thingy above you. I think that's the, yeah, the hat rack, yeah, darling. The hat rack. <laughs> the hat the rack. Hat rack, yes. Yeah. Yes, rack. Indeed. So w- what I actually like about these seats, unlike most seats in the U.S., uh, or on U.S. carriers, is the the bit that goes down that attaches the the seat to the floor. It looks like it's not off-centered, so everyone has the same amount of space under them. Mm, true. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, it does, yeah. yeah. Right, how many promise. times have you been on a flight where it's been offset and one person gets screwed out of their three inches of <laughs> foot storage area? Yeah, wow, didn't they were offering those kind of services, Brian? That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> there's no flight entertainment. There's no you know, seat back power. There's no yeah. additional right. boxes right. on the floor area. So it's not it's taking just, up all that space. Absolutely. It's yeah. just floor and seats. There's, there's no extra gubbins, you know, good British word. 
Okay, yeah. So, uh, moving on to the next story, and uh, Nev, especially for you, this one. Yeah, it's the Daily Mail, of course, and uh, no exaggeration here, of course, from them. Lightning strike after takeoff at Heathrow leaves BA Dreamliner with 46 holes. <laughs> Big uppercase situation going on with the text there. But it doesn't prevent the nine-hour journey to India. And it says the British Airways plane sustained as many as 46 holes during a lightning strike. But despite the damage, the carrier continued its nine-hour journey. A bit like that uh, 747 from uh, was it LAX or San Fran back to Heathrow with only three engines, wasn't it? And um, it says that the uh, on arrival that the extent of the damage to the 787-8 Dreamliner was discovered. The plane was then grounded, unable to make its return journey to London the following day as tests were conducted and repairs made whilst passengers were booked on to alternative flights. And uh, five days later, the aircraft returned to Heathrow without passengers on board to have further tests, the Telegraph reported. It was another 24 hours before it returned to service. Our highly qualified engineers inspected and repaired some minor damage caused by a lightning strike before the aircraft safely returned to service, said a spokesman for British Airways. The safety and security of our customers and crew is always our priority. The aircraft is now fully repaired, deemed fit for use and in active service once more. And uh, it says that lightning strikes on aircraft are surprisingly common. Planes are hit uh, by lightning more frequently than you might expect, explains pilot Patrick Smith in his book Cockpit Confidential, which I'm sure we've all read at uh, one stage or another. And it says that uh, an individual jetliner is struck about once every two years on average and are designed accordingly. Well, it's very um, interesting that... Um, as usual, there's sort of been massive amount of exaggeration. I'm sure there may have been 46 holes, but I don't think they were of significant, uh, you know, problem to give the aircraft a, a real problem by the uh, sounds of things. But and, and, uh, and this is anyway, this, this is the one thing prepared, that I love about the Daily Mail. Um, now, uh, uh, I, I, I'm the first to admit here that I don't know a great deal about aircraft. I am the first to admit this, and uh, the fi the file photo that they have supplied of uh the the um the aeroplane um and now um i want to say that that's not the right aircraft oh, it is it is the it right is. yeah well, yeah they've done that is done, the right aircraft yeah, that's a dreamliner yeah. is it yeah. i thought i had an upstairs and I it's do a apologize. dash eight that's a dash eight as well which is is oh. right yeah it's not got okay the well let's take let's take just some uh, fantastic photoshop work by somebody on that though i i don't think that's an original photo somehow <laughs> do you <laughs> no the the shutterstock one below yeah <laughs> yes that yes. is a truly spectacular photo <laughs> yes indeed uh it's uh, i'm just i'm just surprised someone actually had the time to sit there and count exactly how many holes were actually in the aircraft mm. That's someone's job to do that. They, they, they all have to be documented. Now, one interesting thing about this, of course, is that this was a 787, which is made out of plastic, isn't it? Right. More or less. But it does a little bubble so, gum. Put right. I'm adding a lot of composite problem. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. so compared to a conventional airliner, which would be largely made out of aluminium or aluminium, depending mm. on which side of the Atlantic you sit. Right. Um, you. One of the areas that... Um, will come under close investigation for a lightning strike on a 787 is because it's the unknown damage underneath the surface. So they'd have to do uh, fairly extensive testing using things like ultrasound to see what damage the lightning strike had actually done because the structural integrity of carbon fibre is completely different to aluminium and you can't just sort of, you know, tap it out and whatever. So, um, so that would be why it had the extended downtime for what is a relatively common and inconsequential event 
but this just proves exactly how hardcore the, the uh, Boeing Dreamliner is. Look, it could be it can be struck by lightning and have holes blown in it, and it can still get to its destination with <laughs> oh, no problems. <laughs> Might I just add, if you remember back into the to the uh, to the to the times of the Second World War with the B seventeen. Oh, blimey, we're not playing <laughs> with the B seventeen, which was also built okay. by Boeing, mm-hmm. and uh, you know this this aircraft could be full of holes and still get to back you know get back to mm. uh, to its base and, anything and, you'd like uh, to add to that at all captain <laughs> al um <laughs> well it's just yeah, it does prove a point well i mean let's go back to you know wood and string i mean all you need is a bit of glue and she'll be right as rain won't she you know <laughs> there, there is that <laughs> okay who's oh, taking the dear. next story right. then as we move on um <laughs> Um, um, who's one? Who wants to take the next story? Who, sh- who should we give this one to? Uh, let, I think this one would be fun if Captain Al read. Yeah, Captain Al. <laughs> right. So just just for the advice of that, then this is one that comes from the Radio Times. That is correct. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, and and uh, I'm queuing up the video to play for you. So uh, <laughs> you carry on. Right. The trailer for ITV's EasyJet Inside the Cockpit will make you never want to fly again. Reads the headline. <laughs> There are plenty of professions where you can learn on the job, but if we were to think that of one industry where this probably isn't the best idea, it's being a pilot. Well, new ITV series, EasyJet, Inside the Cockpit, reveals that actually there are over 300 first-time EasyJet pilots learning on the job. On the job has different connotations depending on where you grew up. Moving on. (laughs) God. But the young pilot saying that the biggest threat to the plane is me and that they actually haven't done a yet. nervous flyish way now one rookie pilot even tells the story of how he faced some rather baffled looks when he went through security and they saw in his passport that he was born in 1996 eek well probably not as scary as if he'd been born in 1896 and was flying them <laughs> there is that yes <laughs> okay <laughs> There are probably flight socks in the cabin that are older than him. Possibly. <laughs> That's terribly offensive. I really don't quite see the relevance to that last no. line, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, is that a British term, or did I miss out on something in that story? <laughs> I don't think they're going to let... I don't think you just like let the you know people just hop in. You know, have a, have a go, have a fly here, you know, hop in. <laughs> they might. You know, I think, I think they, they had some kind of training before they got let loose onto the uh, flight deck of an A320. You never know. So, uh, as Some a little kind of training, yes. <laughs> okay, so as a little treat, treat, because it is a trailer, that means I can actually play it. So, uh, here you are. This is the trailer for the oh, new goody, ITV series. I know, what a treat. Uh, for the new ITV trailer, uh, the, uh, the series Inside the Cockpit from EasyJet. Any threats you can think of? Me? <laughs> I haven't actually done a takeoff yet. Oh, sorry. Go away, bird. Can't avoid the bird. <laughs> They'll avoid you. With over 300 first-time EasyJet pilots learning on the job. I've got a good feeling about this one. Yeah. I'm going to crack it on it's this next one. It's going to be a bump summer. I went through security. I like, oh, my God, you're a bird. Yeah, 96. EasyJet inside the cockpit this summer on ITV. Hmm. <laughs> a few interesting words there from the uh, crew on that. I mean, that'd be interesting to see, I suppose. It's, uh, it's a, it's a programme about aviation on ITV, so at least ITV is finally having some decent programming on the, uh, right. their channel okay. yes. for a change. Uh, yes, I've just realised why that didn't work properly, because Carlos forgot to put the network cable in for me from, from that. 
I always have a network cable here. Mm. Um, yeah. It's Carlos's fault. Yeah, yeah. It always is. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on to the next story, and um, well, just before we move on, oh, come on what's then. the general consensus? Because obviously, I'm, I'm expanding this out so we don't have to do the military thing later. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to talk about flight socks and <laughs> probably. Yeah. So, 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 so going round the table, as it were, how how do we feel about pilots learning on the job? Well, as someone who did a lot of learning on the job um, in my own profession, which is not piloting per se, but, um, you know, I think in any profession, there's a fair amount of learning on the job that goes on. And I think if it's done correctly and if it's quality over, uh, you know, just hours and hours and hours without any quality behind it, quality over quantity, then I think that's fine. I think there's always, you know, we've had this discussion before, there's always going to be folks out there who are going to be able to jump in, be professional, learn what they need to learn, do the job safely and correctly, get the on-the-job experience they need. And then there's going to be folks that no matter how many hours of quality instruction you give them are not ever going to be at that same level. So, um, you know, that's why you have the procedures that are in place, especially in that type of environment in the airlines, standard operating procedures, crew resource management, all of that type of stuff. So you make it as safe as you possibly can with the circumstances. I, 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 I personally don't have a problem about people literally learning on the job because I surely, I mean, they're not going to be thrown in, you know, in charge. Like, like they're not going to be the one in charge of the aircraft. And sh- surely, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, mean, the bottom line is, is that the, the trailer paints are industry in a, in a slightly poor light. These are all qualified pilots. They all have a frozen airline transport pilot's license. Yeah. They're not just people that have been picked off the street. Yeah. You know, it's not like Celebrity Agreed. Big right. Brother or, you know, Desert Island or what, whatever the, the latest, you know, sort of <laughs> popular yeah. program is. You know, these are qualified pilots who are learning their trade and they mm. will do for many years before, you know, making the transition into the captain's seat. It is a, it's a skill that requires an awful lot of individual aspects to it that you can only learn through experience. Agreed. So how do you gain experience? You know, in, you know, staff's profession, you don't become a leading surgeon on day one. You have to practice no. those skills. Some people will be better than others, inevitably. But the only way to, to gain the experience is to learn. So, you know, that's how it goes. And, yeah, they're supervised yeah, I, in exactly I, I, the same I kept place. Them out. I'm sorry, the the only exception that I take to that is, so it's the guy's first time flying the plane, he's never landed it, the captain becomes incapacitated, now you have a true rookie flyer landing a plane with a whole bunch of live bodies in the back. Now, the chances of that happening are very, very slim. However, I'd really want someone to have landed the plane at least once before. Okay, well, to put your mind at rest, um, (laughs) you're in... Well, yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> My mind's already at rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He arrived like that. <laughs> no, to, put, to put your mind at rest, it may well be the first time that these uh, first officers will have performed a takeoff and landing on the real aeroplane as opposed to a simulator. But what the trailer isn't portraying is, and you will probably discover it during the series, that there is a qualified pilot sat behind them who is the safety pilot. So in the event that the training captain were to expire or to become incapacitated, there is someone who would then take over 
rather than the rookie pilot, a qualified pilot who is capable of landing the aeroplane because mm. he will have done so several thousand times previously. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, presumably they've, they, as you say, they're, they're not people fresh off the street, are they? they? They will have done all the training that's required to reach them to this point. So, I mean, you, is there usually basically three people in the cockpit? Is that what you're, you're yeah, saying? So yeah, so during the early parts of training, there will be a safety pilot who will be sat on the third seat, and they will already be qualified on that type. And they will usually be there for between 10 and 20 sectors until the pilot under training for what of putting it a better way uh, is able to demonstrate that in the event of an incapacitation of the captain they would be able to land the aeroplane yeah and if nothing else they could always just press the auto land button right <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah according to yeah. frick in the chat room he's, he's just I, I, said okay, that i'm good again i'm gonna fly so. <laughs> okay i'm pleased to hear that <laughs> yeah. i'll send you yeah. the bill in the post <laughs> I reckon also that uh, on the job training and this sort of stuff, you do get a lot out of it as well. And certainly in the business that I work in uh, and the reason that it's done is because there's a general shortage of qualified people. So we get people to a certain standard and then we use on the job training yeah. under proper supervision uh, after this that. And actually, uh, certainly I, I found that way back when I was 16, 17 years old, when I was learning to become uh, an engineer. I, I think that was a, a really good practical thing i made some massive mistakes as well but uh, i i learned from them uh, i then made them again 20 years later <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. you know uh, you know we all do that possibly yeah, but do, i think yeah. it's um it is a good way to uh, really hone your skills especially learning from highly experienced people that are working with you and supervising you and certainly one of the things like i can only use coaching as an example but actually one of the really scary things is you go out you do your coach test you pass your coast coach test and that's it you go out and take all these people out with you there's no sort of on you know sort of somebody sitting with you necessarily sort of overseeing to make sure that you're i mean you go out on a quick test drive but other than that i mean uh, things handle very differently when you've got it's certainly in my case 55 people sat behind you you know okay but to, to, to keep on that that story i would i be right in thinking that some of the more uh, established or professional coach operators when who are conducting sort of uh, continental journeys would have an experienced driver on yes. the continent yeah, with a less absolutely. experienced driver so that they can learn some of the intricacies of yes. say maybe driving around Paris or um, you know driving on foreign motorways would that be quite a common occurrence? Yeah, 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 yes, absolutely. That's that's perfectly normal uh, to do that. And I, I mean, I certainly wouldn't want to do a trip like that on my own for the for the very first time. But I was sort of thinking, just using school school runs as an example. I mean, I do remember sort of going out the first time, looking in that rearview mirror when I got all those kids on board, and thought, "This is a very different kettle of fish altogether." To, Mariana's made to a sort of learning a, a point in the chat room, though, yeah. Matt. Your your coach, not that you drive your coach, no, uh, but your coach won't fall out of the air. There is that, yes. But no, it could, will fall off the side of a cliff. It will fall off, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. I could do some serious damage. And then it will become an Airbus. And then it will... Oh, dear. Right. <laughs> that was just too good, that was. I the talent's it was. wasted. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. Get yourself uh, on has Got Talent. Uh, indeed. Uh, I want to know if EasyJet approved that trailer. Like, that's just... 
<laughs> Probably yeah, not. Yeah, I'm working now. On a basis that all publicity is good publicity. All publicity yeah. is good publicity. Regardless yeah. no such thing of what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Regardless of what it might contain. Anyway, we probably should move on now. Uh, Al's done a very good job of probably doing away with the military <laughs> section. So, uh, <laughs> yes, on we so go. So, going back to the opening title. <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> moving swiftly on, Captain Al, the next story will be taken by the lovely Dr. Steph. <laughs> All right, so this is the one on the BBC? It's the right, yes. Oh, good old auntie. Right. You can rely From on auntie. From the BBC.com. Yeah. EU airport delays warned issued, or warning issued by airlines. So, British Air are warning British holidaymakers of delays at EU border controls. And this is on August 4th, so just the other day. Uh, BA has sent text alerts asking travelers to arrive early as it expects longer queues due to, quote, enhanced immigration checks across Europe. The airline has already sent texts to customers flying back from Lyon, Madrid, Barcelona, and Milan. Ryanair is also advising customers to arrive at least three hours before their departure time. EasyJet is urging people to check its website for updates and allow plenty of time to get through the airport. The airline uh, has also warned of strike action due at Barcelona Airport every Friday, Sunday, and Monday from August 4th throughout the summer. A spokesman for Airlines for Europe, the airline lobby group, told the BBC, it seems the governments, especially in France, Italy, Spain, Portugal, and Belgium, underestimated the situation of many passengers going through tighter passport checks and have not provided a sufficient amount of border control officers. He said passengers should expect delays at airports in Mallorca, Malaga, Lisbon, Lyon, Brussels, Milan, and Paris Orly. Uh, passenger Kate Meeks says she was one of 22 people who missed her flight from Barcelona to Berlin. arrived three hours early at Barcelona Airport was strike action among security staff, but was only told about the extra passport control half an hour before takeoff. Little did we know that we had to go through an extra passport control where there were a thousand people trying to get four flights at the same time. Ms. Meek said two men due to take the Birmingham flight tried to get to the front of the queue, but were told to join the back or be removed from the airport. It was absolutely horrendous. 22 of us begged to go on that plane, and they said that they couldn't let us on but it took them half an hour to get our luggage off. <laughs> right. Um, she said she spent 500 pounds on booking a hotel room for the night, missing a day's work, adding that staff at Passport Control were rude and very abusive. This has caused an absolute nightmare for all of us through missed flight connections, financial cost, and mental cost, she said. The warning comes as airports prepare for one of the busiest weekends of the summer. Um, Sean Tipton from the Association of British Travel Agents said... A record 2.4 million people had already set off in one weekend at the beginning of the school holidays. He said, in most cases, people are getting through passport control fairly swiftly, but I think there might be an issue with certain airports where they haven't actually considered just dealing with the fact that record numbers, August, plus these new requirements, they may be understaffed. Um, it goes on for quite a bit. Well, it does, yeah. well, yeah. it. But we get the general um, gist so there. Yeah. It, 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 it's, yeah. it's a funny, it's a, it's a difficult story. And I, I know certainly from... Uh, speaking to uh, owen uh, during the week um uh stansted is is really under pressure um i mean i think i think numbers that i was looking at on on another um uh news wire i think this was on sky news and they reckon there was something ridiculous like 15,000 people going through stansted a day mm. at the moment just because of the the time of year and everybody trying to go 
uh, away. I mean, it's it's frightening, really, and it's just it, it's especially as using Stans as an example. I mean, this is basically one of our major border controls, and the issues I understand are actually to do with border controls. Um, it's really uh, it, it's quite frightening, really. That and what have we got coming up at the end of this month? Uh, a bank holiday. Bank holiday. Oh, goody. Oh. <laughs> That'll go well. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, how does everybody else feel about uh, to this? I mean, do we hit, do we have a serious problem here in the UK when it when it comes to sort of border controls and stuff? I know. So, I mean, some are mentioning that some of this is to do perhaps with that horrible word that I use carefully, Brexit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, is it? Uh, is it something we we've just got to get used to, or, or I mean, what what's the solution other than spending lots of money? Well, as you might imagine, I have an opinion on this. Oh, good. Oh, I was I was I was hoping for one. And moving yeah. on to <laughs> stop it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's quite convenient to blame Brexit, actually. But there are there are a multitude of reasons for all of this. If we look at the problems that passengers are experiencing in Spain, Portugal, and France, both going into the country and coming out. Well, one reason for this is that when looking at the, the habits of British travel makers, uh, holiday makers, there has been a huge change in direction as to where people are going on their holidays this, mm. this summer. Uh, there's been a big move from the eastern Mediterranean resorts, such as Turkey and, and further afield out to Egypt, because, of course, there's some political difficulties out in that part of the world. So there's been far greater volume of bookings towards Spain, France, Portugal, in preference to Turkey and Egypt. There is, the airlines have responded to that by putting a massive amount of flights into the Mediterranean, the Western Mediterranean, uh, far more than there are hotel rooms. So the volume of passengers going through the likes of, say, Palma de Mallorca, Barcelona, um, Faro is far greater than it has been in previous years um, and then additionally um, as a result of Brexit there has been some increased um, security or immigration uh, because the UK is not a signatory of the Schengen Agreement but it's really just the increase in volume of passengers overall more people are traveling this year than have done in previous years fundamentally we're all going down a narrow funnel to the same places and then there's additional security so it is very much a case of kind of like if you like the perfect storm um and there are many airports that are just being swamped uh and, then and strike both... action on top of it yeah well yeah i mean the strikes um for our sort of more worldwide listeners strikes in europe are very common there isn't a year that mm -hmm. goes by without french air traffic control going on strike or some group of workers within Spain or Portugal going on strike, whether it be the, the meteorological officers or whether it be the baggage loaders, air traffic control, there's always someone on strike, it's just the nature of the beast. Um, and, it, and it certainly makes matters worse. Um, but it's, it's all too convenient really just to blame it on one thing, it's, it's three separate entities as I see it. And yes, there have been, there have been lots of instances, I mean I arrived can't remember where it was, but one of the Spanish airports uh, a few weeks back, and they said, we're just going to have to delay disembarkation because the arrival hall is full. I right. said, there's no more space. You know, yeah. there's nowhere for anybody to stand. Um, so I think they delayed disembarkation for an hour. Well, that is really a function of just putting too many people in the same place. Yeah. And one of the other things that I, uh, that's sort of been hitting the news, certainly here in the UK, is tighter border controls all of a sudden and that was certainly where the word Brexit was 
was mentioned in the fact that rather than perhaps being a little bit more blasé, all of a sudden they're being very, very... Uh, I don't know whether it's perhaps because there's a new 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 advice or something where people are concerned about uh, security, but certainly European airports are being very, very picky and studying the UK passports. It may not just be UK. I'm just obviously going by by what I saw on Sky News. Was I saying, think there's an overall increase in vigilance at borders, regardless yeah. of where people's flight originated i think there may have been one or two small instances of where because of brexit uh, british passport holders were subject to a little bit more scrutiny yeah. but i think overall it's just a desire within the whole of europe and of course in the western world to you know have a heightened degree of uh, scrutiny with regards to where people are coming from and the integrity of their documents mm. Yeah. I'll tell you what, having just done an uh, international flight for holiday um, between the U.S. and Central America on Wednesday this past week, I had zero problems. I was through security, in, and this is kind of a testament to the Charlotte Douglas Airport because it's always quick there. I've, I've never had a significant holdup in security there. They're pretty efficient. They move people through pretty quickly. I think they still do a good job of you know, maintaining their vigilance and, mm. and doing a good job of security checks. But I was through security in less than five minutes. And then I think it was kind of a, just lucky on our part. We arrived here in Costa Rica and there was no one in the queue for immigration and, and uh, customs. So mm. we were through that in no time at all. So it was, it was a very pleasant experience. So we'll see how it is going back today. It might be a completely <laughs> yeah, different story. Because <laughs> you do a lot of flying, obviously, in the EU, Nev. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you, you kind of have a kind of fairly easy and swift experience going through um, passport control and all the other bits and pieces. Can you see steam coming out of my ears by, <laughs> by any chance? <laughs> what the heck has it got to do with Brexit? Well, Seriously? I, know, I, know. I mean, when it's just I think, as Al said, there are a lot of other factors here, especially um, as you said, Al, with regard to people going uh, less and less to uh, e um, Egypt and Turkey, and more and more to the uh, southern and western Mediterranean parts, and there are there is limited capacity on, on this sort of thing. Uh, certainly, in recent times, I've not seen any serious uh, delay uh, due to um, additional border controls, and uh, I just think it might have been a bit of a quiet news day somewhere because I've not seen any significant change. In, in the main European region at all. Um, not that, that's not to say that there, there wouldn't be. And there's obviously different kinds of passenger, passenger profiling going on according to where people are flying in from. But um, uh, I have noticed that I'm getting asked more and more um, where I, I have just flown from mm, yeah. uh, when I get to the passport yeah. desk. That's question number one, usually. Mm. And, and uh, when, when I went to Pittsburgh, of course, I, I mean, I I'm, I'm very, yeah. I'm very new to this whole flying thing. So, so to get that question there, and it was just like, where you come from? And I just went, oh, the UK, thinking that would be, oh, that's fine. And he just looked at me as if to say, hmm, uh, it's <laughs> like, oh, good. I really, and then because my passport wouldn't work on the reader first time round, so I got another, hmm. It, <laughs> I was getting a bit nervous. Now, I do feel we need to ask this question to the man who probably does more flying than anyone, anyone in else world. in the entire world. <laughs> um, now, uh, obviously, presumably you've been doing reasonable amounts of flying, even what, I don't know, is it classed as holiday season still in the States? Because I know the only reason it's so busy here, basically, is because we're now in the school summer holidays. And so everybody is sort of sort of flitting to and from various European destinations or, or, or even further afield. Um, I are you in so what what's it like when when it's sort of like peak holiday season in the states as far as you're concerned brian 
Yeah, fortunately, I have TSA Pre, so that cuts down a lot of the the riffraff that um, you have to have to deal with. Yes, no fair point. (laughs) Yeah, so the thing that drives me crazy about U.S. security, and I've said it numerous times on on the show, is uh, probably half the time I break one of the the rules and I get through, (laughs) so I don't actually feel safer, which is really unfortunate. And they're little things, but you know, like having oh a half-drunk bottle of water with me. Um, my most recent pet peeve is having the TSA, um, the, the pre-check line available, but uh, them not having all the lanes open and all the staff seems to be someplace else. So that will add a bit of a delay, but I've really had no issues getting through security. So that's been, been quite nice. Yeah, yep, I five minutes at the most is is the terrible delay yep. I have in in checking. Pre check here in the United States is is fantastic. Yeah. It's wonderful. Have it. Maybe that's how, how do you guys no, in the no, United States Steph, find it's it's um, actually terrible. No, you can't t- because if you say that it's really good, people will sign up and then it'll <laughs> know, be it's, yeah, yeah, longer. Yeah. It's reporting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. Guys in the U.S. find immigration as opposed to security. Do you encounter large queues at immigration? Not with global I have entry. Global entry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And okay, again, no. Steph, a terrible program. No one should get don't, global don't entry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hundred dollars for five, five years. No, oh, it's a terrible it program. No. Yeah. <laughs> See, I noticed in the United Kingdom now that for non-UK uh, and EU passport holders, uh, the UK uh, has a fast track process for passport holders, um, certainly at Manchester and Heathrow where you can pay an additional fee on arrival in the UK and be fast-tracked through immigration. How do we feel about that? I would pay it 100%. If I'm getting through the line faster, yes. Yeah, with my Irish passport, how do I sign up for it? Although I haven't had much of an issue. So I just show, yeah, I, I leave the US on my US passport, arrive in Europe on my EU passport, and it's it's fine. I haven't <laughs> had an issue. That's cheating. <laughs> that's yeah. blatant cheating. That's quite working the system. Well, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, well, I think we should probably move on to our next uh, story. Well, I'm sure we can eat this out a bit more. No, 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 no. You've done a good job. Yeah, we already don't have time for military. So, well done. <laughs> so, Brian, did you want? Did you want to take a story or? The, uh, I, I can, but someone might have to explain to me who the heck is ABS CBN News because I've never heard of them before. Right. Yeah. Uh, we'll leave that to yeah. the man that okay. chose the stories. Well, that's who the story's from. <laughs> Good luck. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, struggling Singapore Airlines offers crew unpaid leave. Just what you want to hear is not pay, not pay your employees. Yeah, always the way Okay, yeah. enough of the editorial on my part. So, <laughs> Singapore Airlines said Friday it was offering cabin crew unpaid leave and a uh, cost-cutting I can tell you, pressure. actually, the ABS-CBN News Corporation is Philippines' leading media and entertainment organization. Oh, there, there you, you go. go. That's, that's, that's put everyone's mind at rest. Good, lovely. <laughs> yeah, at least it's coming from the right part do, of the do world. Do we want to know well, more well. about ABS-CBN? Because I can tell you more about it. I've got their corporate website up here. Splendid. I can tell you about that. You leadership. really don't want to do the military news, do you? <laughs> I can talk to you about vision and mission and values. I can, there's some nice black and white pictures here. Right, hey, Nev, you should have a look at this. There's, there's a nice uh, control desk here. And- <laughs> oh, <laughs> Fascinating. Okay, anyway, uh, moving on. (laughs) Thank you, Brian. um, (laughs) The city-state's flag carrier has been battling strong competition from Asian low-cost carriers and Middle Eastern airlines, which now 
boast modern fleets and top quality in-flight services. Owen, <laughs> looks like you have some competition here. Yeah. <laughs> the airline, which posted net loss for the fourth quarter of the last fiscal year, has launched a wide-ranging review and, ref and refused to rule out job cuts. The company said it offered its cabin crews the option of taking unpaid leave between September and November this year due to, in quotes, temporary surplus of crew. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, That's an accountancy term, if ever I heard one. Yeah, yeah indeed, yeah. <laughs> I, I, one of the issues that I have with a story like this is there's so many other people besides cabin crew that an airline can offer yeah. um, a reduction of hours or cut in pay. And even though it's symbolic, it, mm. it adds so little to the bottom line is the pay of the executives. And these companies never seem to offer a cut in pay to the executives. And, and I think from a morale standpoint, these people can probably afford it the most, and they never seem to do it. And the frontline workers are the ones that, that um, really take it on the chin. And that's what I find really irritating about things like this when they come up. Agreed. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's the, it. I'm the done reading the story. That's fair enough. I don't. Yeah. I don't blame you. It's uh, yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a funny one, really. As you say, it's very much an accounting story, isn't it? It's just like we're going yeah. to uh, yes, we're going to come up with new words to describe justifi justifiable reasons why we aren't paying our crew any kind of holiday leave. <laughs> I mean, the executives always turn around and say that because of the performance, we're not receiving our bonus. But what they they neglect to mention is what their basic salary is in the first instance, yeah. and it will be significantly more than the cabin crew for sure yeah indeed i thought singapore airlines are doing really well but obviously not they're struggling but you well, know, um, I, don't know. I, I think they've gone off the boil a little bit in recent years but i think basically the they they were out on their own for many many years in in their sort of passenger service but the other airlines mm. have come up to them and and have taken over and uh, uh, and I think they've really struggled in, in, you know, sort of matching up to the competition when it comes to service on board. Yeah, I definitely think that they're living on the glory of, of yesteryear. I've flown them a few times over the past three, four years, and their level of service I don't think is up to their reputation. Right. So it's 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 unfortunate to see now don't get me wrong they're still really really good mm. they're just not nearly as good as as they used to be and or i think the the perceived reputation that they have today yeah no that's a fair point so moving on to the next story and this one just before we move on is this next story <laughs> is uh on the uh the interference coming in from you there Al. <laughs> okay is on the uh, the lat time la times there we go the la los times. times the los angeles yeah. times and uh, american airlines will now alert you if your bag gets lost that's very handy. So airline passengers yeah. uh, often... <laughs> You're never getting your stuff back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> airline, no, 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 no. <laughs> airline they have, they have special emoticons for it, do they? <laughs> <laughs> Just a bag in tatters. Yeah. <laughs> airline passengers often must wait at the baggage carousel uh, until every suitcase has been picked up before realising that their bags didn't land with them. Now Fort Worth, uh, Fort Worth, Fort Worth-based American Airlines is giving travellers a digital alert if their bags don't arrive at the same destination at the same time. I'll what do you think the message is? Is the message something along the lines of "I'm afraid you're going to have to buy some crappy shorts from the airport gift shop"? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
so backing up a second, I've actually gotten this message from Delta Airlines before. You get an email. Oh. And it says something like, um, your baggage did not travel as intended. Oh. Or something like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Sure. Kind of put it in very... And you're going, no, my bag's not here. Yeah. So <laughs> your bags are currently your bags on a nicer holiday than you are right now. <laughs> your bags are currently on board a Cessna caravan being Lovely. thrown out by the. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, the uh, Fort Worth based American do they Airlines. They a little postcard from your bag saying <laughs> they do. It's yeah. 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 Wish you were here. That sort yes, of thing. Yes. Yeah. Wish you were here. So the alert that comes through through your contact information provided by the flyers during booking or the check-in process. Loyalty reward members at American Airlines can also get notices through the airline's app. The alert tells travellers if their luggage has arrived early or will arrive later. If no, the I'm luggage... struggling to see how it can arrive earlier than you. <laughs> <laughs> if the luggage is arriving late, the alert informs a traveller to head to baggage DeLorean? service. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, Al, this is terrible. Gotta love the flux capacitor now, haven't you? Every home should have one. <laughs> So, uh, America. That's easy for you to say. Apparently, so even, even with a with a mouthful of burger. Sorry, I'm eating my dinner. Don't mind me. So, American Airlines system relies on barcodes. Glad to see that you're taking the show serious. Right, cut always. <laughs> that's printed on each bag to keep track of the bags. The barcodes are scanned at several points on the loading and transportation process. Lost luggage rates have been the decline in the U.S. over the last few years because of heavy investments by carriers in new technology. Delta Airlines, for example, has installed a luggage tracking system at the major domestic airport served by the Atlanta-based carrier. It relies on radio frequency identification tags or RID tags. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's in those, haven't we? RFID. I'll tell you what would be really good is if they can tell you which items have been stolen from your suitcase before you get it. (laughs) (laughs) So that you can just go on Amazon and have them delivered to the hotel. Or or they could just not lose your bag. I will say that. Go on, Steph. I have been really impressed with, with Delta. RFID system because you know it, it, it's funny they'll send you a text message or the app will send you a text when you're after you're off the plane and you're waiting for your bag it says um, your bag is on the carousel so then you can just walk up and sure enough the next thing you know your bag is there so you don't have to be waiting and watching every single bag that comes off of the baggage carousel yeah. but maybe they, nice. but you see now you see the thing is is maybe they could invest the money in making sure that the bags don't go missing in the first place. Well, they I mean, are investing heavily <laughs> trying yeah, to stop this. I don't know. I, are, I, 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 just, I, I love my technology, but it just seems like a bit of a pointless gimmick, personally. But I'm being I'm being no, no, I'm pretty happy with it. So, yeah. And uh, although I solved the problem by never checking my bag. Well, yes. So, yes that, is, yeah. that is solution number one. Do yes. not check your bag. Yeah. So. But then yeah, you and, and, on the aircraft, don't you? You know, you, if you check in your bag, someone else takes the responsibility for your possessions, and that way, then you don't end up leaving a bag or a laptop or a laptop, or laptop right? Yes. <laughs> you might leave. No, it's only the computer. I had the bag with me. Right. It was only the computer I left behind. <laughs> yeah, but you see, if you ha- if you were flying with Ryanair, which I know you will never ever do, I'm quite sure. Yes. But if you did ever fly with Ryanair, the great the great news is you won't now in future have anywhere to put your laptop in the front pocket because it won't be yeah. there. Yeah, no front pockets. <laughs> no yeah. front pocket. No, that didn't help me anyway because I put it between the 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 wall and the seat. That's that's really what my my oh, you uh, put your laptop there? Yeah, I I had to get out of the way, get up, use the the restroom, and <laughs> yes. there it sat for for, for quite several some time. months. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 
Okay, see, this is the reason why I said I never work on airplanes. Right. And if I don't take my computer out of the bag, therefore it will be with me when I leave the airplane. <laughs> so working on an airplane is a bad idea. Use the, the in-flight entertainment system, open the window shade, and look out the window. Very true. Well, that is true. There we go. Yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah. And enjoy the fact that you're in the air. And I'll tell you what, you can't get an app for that. You can't get an app for that. There's no view like it, is there? And, And Captain Al, there really is a good reason why your bag can arrive before you do. So between Los Angeles and San Francisco, there's just about hourly flights. If you get to the airport three hours ahead of time, they will put your bag on an earlier flight. Now, now, that, that raises think an about interesting bags. question, isn't it? No, because... the bags matching with passengers, <laughs> absolutely. I'm, I'm right? completely opposed to that, but mm-hmm. they do that a lot. So, mm-hmm. yeah, your bag's sitting in San Francisco. Well, you're still in Los Angeles. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah. moving swiftly on, the next story is yours, Matt, if you'd like to, uh, to read this one. Oh, dear, yes, okay, this is on the NBC. Just before we move on, do I hold the, the record for the person who has the bag lost for the longest period of time before the airline would actually admit that it was missing, never to be seen again? Now, now you might know Probably. the answer to because the, the whole um, Pip thing, where he had one missing for a significant period of time, d- d- does that beat, because didn't he have one lost for, like, several weeks? I think it was a few weeks, yeah. yeah. Pip had like, I, I think Ella's saying his never came back. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. Emirates, gone? Uh, yeah, Emirates officially conceded to the fact that they would never be able to return my bag to me after two years. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Good heavens. You win. Emirates did. So until the wow. 23rd month, they were still as confident as they were two hours after I arrived that it would be located. Right. Is, there, is, there, is there loads of people walking around Dubai now then, now in string vests? <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? What was it? Well, apparently, it, it never left Johannesburg, but um, we'll we'll skip through that. And uh, oh. but um, no, no, it took them. Well, it was only uh, eventually after twenty three months that they <laughs> confessed that they weren't able they to, might to have actually that. misplaced it. So refer back to rule number one: never check a bag. <laughs> well, there is that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, sometimes, yeah, but you see, Al has much paraphernalia that has to go with him. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his, oh, yes. his, his, I'm his, sure Brian would equally despair of people trying to get 32 kilos or whatever that is, 75 <laughs> pounds of luggage into the hat rack or <laughs> under the seat in front of him. So there are occasions when it is necessary to... As long as they could lift it themselves. Why the heck are you bringing that much stuff with you? Yeah, what are you doing with 75 They, they have laundromats around the world. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah you, can, you can borrow towels. It's fine. When you travel Toiletries. BA, BA Nev, do you, do you tend to check luggage? You, do you, I suppose you're a carry-on. You're a carry-on guy. Yeah, I mean, I'd certainly if I'm going more than a couple of days, I normally check a bag. But I've, honestly, I've never had a problem. I think all, out of all the flights I've taken, I've only had a... a bag delay twice probably in 30 years roughly so wow, that's, wow, that's not yes. too bad Gordon, um, that, now you've said that of course bear in mind that your next flight now you'll probably <laughs> never find it again i i can't wait to go to washington dallas but i'll probably lose my you'll, you'll get one you'll get one of those texts uh Dave. you'll get a text yeah, saying your, yeah. your bag is late but yeah. your your nikon camera is now on ebay here's yeah. the link <laughs> <laughs> if you wish to buy it back, we've got the really smart app. We'll show you the person who's using your well, Nikon camera. There is that. <laughs> yes. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to move on now, regardless uh, of what's going on here. Now, this is the NBC. Just before view. we move on, uh, Boeing aircraft. <laughs> silence. Uh, Boeing aircraft creates outline of plane during 18-hour test flight. Oh, goody, Boeing. 
Pilots on a Boeing aircraft spent their test flight drawing a giant outline <laughs> of the Dreamliner plane they were flying. Oh, dear Lord. Uh, the test flight lasted 18 hours, and the shape of the 787-8 plane spanned across 22 states, according to Flight Radar 24. Now, actually, one of our listeners sent us this link during the, uh, during, um, during the week, wasn't it? I think while it was going on, um, and the air traffic... Uh, tracking service invited people to track the plane's journey live on its Twitter page. The purpose of the extended operations test was to see if the Rolls-Royce engine could safely run for an extended period of time. And I always like the idea of them carrying out such a test over a heavily populated area. Uh, if there is any No, problem. no, this was the Midwest. It's not that heavily populated. Right. Okay. Boeing said. Yeah, I think that's like the reason why field. they chose all the flyover yeah. states. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. Yes. It's so. like Kansas and Oklahoma and... <laughs> Iowa. Nevertheless, there are yeah. some people it's that Texas. Texas. Yeah. <laughs> so they're, not, they're not important people. I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> right. Boeing said in the emailed statement that the nose of the aircraft pointed at the uh, Puget Sound region, which is the home of Boeing commercial air- airplanes. The wings were drawn over northern Michigan, the Canadian border, and southern Texas, while the tail touched Alabama. The plane travelled a total of almost 10,000 miles, according to radar uh, flight radar. 24 but while the flight pattern is certainly impressive it was not spontaneous a test flight is not a random event in which pilots just choose to fly any path they want for any length of time said former corporate pilot and um, adjunct flight instructor Anthony Roman. Boeing's test pilots are all engineers and they have very specific protocols to follow according to Roman. He said that the multiple computers and other engineers would have been constantly monitoring the flight. Roman called the act a stunt and said that it is likely the idea to mimic the shape of the Dreamliner originated from Boeing's marketing and public relations department. There's a shock. Uh, this isn't the first time Boeing has gained social media attention with its unique flight patterns. Flight Radar 24 reported pilots aboard uh, a plane in February spelled out the word MAX for their testing of the 737 <laughs> MAX. I mean, the story goes on, but you get the idea. I'm I mean, just gonna uh, the picture, I mean, the picture Matt's got on the story here on here, but the, I mean, they've done a really good job because it's quite well done i think it is yeah in fact it is very well done the only thing i'd say is the pilots must have got really really peed off with every few minutes turning down direct routings from air traffic control which were destroyed their picture for them (laughs) yeah yeah, indeed so if you're watching (laughs) on youtube there you are you can see the the 787 has been able to do those right angles though right they they are some sharp turns that they were able to do I mean, I, yeah, I, I, it's probably because it's zoomed out quite a long way. I mean, they may not be, if you actually zoomed right in, they may not be as severely, um, you know, right-angled as they look. Well, some, in of, some of them are. I'll burst my bubble. bubble. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh. sorry. <laughs> I mean, it is basically showing you a very large part of the USA in that photograph. So, I mean, you know. I, and can, can you do that kind of mileage in one fuel tank? Oh, Yes. Really? Oh, very much so, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Okay. Actually, so anyway, they, uh, Captain they, they, Al, next time you're in the air, um, <laughs> maybe you could uh, yeah. draw something that you're a little bit oh, more familiar with. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I just can't imagine <laughs> what, no what it would be. 
Yeah. I've got a rough well, idea. The, the, the penis and testicles. Right, there we go. Done, See, that's where so, I was afraid you were going to go. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a box of chicken nuggets. Right. Oh, yes, yes. Now, you see, Brian, you Actually, Brian is thinking along the family lines. Children, yeah. that's what we like. He's, keep, he's well, keeping well, it Mark safe. Harvey says that I should spell out plain talk in UK, P-T-U-K. Yeah, so. yes, yeah. Well done, Mark. Well done. On brand. I've just got to make sure you're... that if I do do that in my aeroplane, that I get the P and the T right, otherwise I could get arrested. Splendid. Moving on. Anyway, uh, moving on to the next story. And uh, by this story is uh, um, 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 for you, Nev. Oh, it's please, in please, uh, electronicsweekly.com, <laughs> and uh, it's all about the new Boeing avionics unit, which marks a reversal in its strategy of outsourcing uh, avionics development and aftermarket services to companies such as Honeywell International and Rockwell Collins. It'll focus on navigation, flight controls, information systems, and other technology with the aim of bringing products to market in the next 10 years. The, the, the Chicago-based company told employees in the internal announcement on Monday. The memo from Boeing CEO Dennis, uh, Dennis Mullenberg told staff, our new avionics organisation continues our strategy to build targeted vertical capability so that we can further drive down costs and value up for our customers in all phases of a product's life cycle. It is understood that the new business unit will grow to a workforce of about 600 from 2019 from the current 120. And Boeing currently produces some avionics equipment, including vehicle management systems, secure computing systems and signal intelligence for its commercial and government divisions. However, it has relied heavily on outsourcing in recent years, notably the global supply network that designed and built much of the 787 Dreamliner. In a related move, Boeing has also founded Boeing Global's Global Services, which is a new division to take on higher margin maintenance and spare parts sales. And they do actually show a picture of a 787. Oh, so they, they have actually yeah. got the right aircraft Absolutely. with the right story. You know what it is, obviously, Ned? They were listening to your interview with Richard Westcott last week. Mm. And uh, obviously, they're now very much uh, making, you know, they're, they're watching out for these things now. So he, he has set is. the standard. Absolutely. He has very much so. <laughs> and, and the next tweet from Donald Trump will be that he created those jobs. Yeah. Okay, right. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, politics, everyone. Be afraid. Uh, <laughs> indeed. Uh, yeah, somebody please rescue us. Um, who's next? <laughs> Quick, someone? Uh, Steph? I don't know. Who's next? Steph? I can do the one from The Guardian. All right, then. Oh, go on then. Go on then. Go on, go on, on then. then. Right. Two international Qantas flights return to Sydney Airport after technical issues. Ah, yes. Right. This is top headline news, this from The Guardian, isn't it? This must be another quiet news day. <laughs> Dallas-bound flight Airbus QF7 returned to Australia after a problem with wing flaps, whilst the QF63 Johannesburg flight turned back due to a crack in a window. So this is The Guardian. This is a UK newspaper reporting <laughs> on two Australian events. Okay? Yes. <laughs> You're it's right a non-story. It's a non-story. I'm afraid aeroplanes do have minor technical problems. They mm. sometimes return back to their airport of origin. Whoopie-doo. Let's not get excited about it, folks. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm just uh, upset that they dumped all that fuel. Yeah, well, yes, terrible waste. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and these were also, it was also two A380s. Um, yeah. Remember that. I mean, to be fair, I actually heard, heard about it through Ray Davis. Now, he's got a reasonable excuse to be interested in that story because obviously he <laughs> does live there. He's so, in Sydney. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he's got a good reason to sort of like the, or, or be aware of this story. But uh, yeah, I mean, 
it is. But I mean, obviously, you you've scanned through the the news story, um, Al. It, it it's just um, just a it, perfectly it, routine it, event, essentially, is it? It it's two absolute non-stories mm. that uh, are occupying valuable bandwidth in a in a world that is short of web space, as yeah, far as I'm okay. concerned. Right. I mean, <laughs> why on earth should you know? A normal event be reported the other side of the world with yeah. any great, you know, kudos. You know, it's an absolute nonsense. It's just the media turning every event in aviation into a story. You know, was anybody hurt? No. Was anybody killed? No. So what's the the situation? The flight crews did what they, you know, should do, which was they assessed the situation, decided the safest course of events was to return back, yeah. get the problem resolved, and get everybody on their way. What we do? Okay, Captain. No, Captain. No, let's let's spin the story. It okay. talks about the three layers of glass that were that were cracked. How many layers of glass are there in the cockpit windscreen? Um, honest answer, Brian. I don't know. I think there are about five or six. Yeah, wow. Um, I think I think where uh, where Al is is going with this though is more of the fact that it's a, it's a, a non-story if you see what I mean. Oh, Some, absolutely. Something no, went I, wrong, and uh, you're just. You're but right, do you know the, yeah. new, the, the actual Sorry, news channel, playing. the news yeah. channel that, that covered this? They had a chopper in the air, and they they this was like broadcast yeah. live the whole story it's of this aircraft that, yeah. uh, QF seven coming back into Sydney from Dallas, mm. and they cover you know they had this live. You see, you see this, this goes back to, to what I was saying before. It's like I'm, I, and I, I may be being a little bit controversial when they said, but obviously the Shoreham air crash that, that that was hideous. There's no two ways about that. That was a really, really bad event. But since that event, uh, the media especially is now obsessed with Jumps anything to do mm. with. Um, air shows and little minor hiccups here mm. and there. I mean, for example, when we were at Duxford, um, the, it, it wasn't a Mustang, what was it? It was a Mustang, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a yeah. P-51 Mustang. Yeah, yeah. that the, the ditched perfectly safely in the field. Mm. It, it Basically, something was not right, so the pilot did exactly the right thing. He put it down in a safe area, and it was a basic, as again, really, other than the fact that it didn't land where it was supposed to, it was a non-story. But on the news wires, uh, you know, I mean, you've got Sky News push notifications, you've got BBC News uh, push notifications. I do wonder if it's now that because this one major event happened, every time something like this happens now, the media just pounce on it like, like lunatics. And it's the same with this. It's like, oh, no, there's an aircraft in trouble. We must follow every single step of it. And I, I, I don't think it helps anyone. Um, make it, it doesn't help anybody at all, um, you know, regardless of whether you're a, a nervous flyer or not. Yeah. I mean... The, the Daily Mail in the UK is is terrible for doing this, and it seems now that even the slightly more grown-up uh, grown yeah. newspapers like the Guardian are, are you know getting on on the act and, and, and writing stories about you know things that are actually normal events. I I think this week the Daily Mail ran three online stories about aircraft in European airspace, um, you know squawking 7700, the, the the code for Mayday, and they wrote you know the reason is unknown. Well, why are you telling people something <laughs> yeah. that is actually not a news story? You need to establish the facts before publishing it. Quite often, the reason for the mayday will be a sick passenger who requires medical help in air traffic control mm. will ask you to squawk 7700 so they can, you know, expedite your arrival to wherever you need to go. Yeah. This isn't, you know, a function of the airline or the aeroplane or the crew or anything else. The fact that a passenger may have had a heart attack is not 
you know, headline news across no. the world no. until you put them on an aeroplane. And yeah. it's just getting out of hand. This, this obsessive focus on aviation for stories is ultimately going to cause problems for aviation. It is. Agreed. But, I... the, but, but, but the true tragedy in this story is that air traffic control didn't have them spell out Airbus as they were flying around <laughs> dumping the fuel. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is very true. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, and of course, uh, and I know we, we go back to Nev's pet hate here as saying, and if you missed last week's show, there's a great interview in there which we did from Old Buckingham Air Show with Richard Westcott. And of course, you touched uh, you, you touched quite regularly on, on me bad media reporting of these things and not you know this is the thing it's that they're so bad so they report this non-event but then also give inaccurate information uh, i think the other thing is about that is that just talking to richard uh, when i went to interview him he did say that actually he's under a great deal of pressure from the uh, news editorial team course, to get yeah. a story out there and uh, richard has said on many occasions do you know what? I'm just going to sit on my hands because I haven't actually got a story to tell at this point. I haven't got the uh, the facts, uh, and so the, the pressure is on the journos, not just from the uh, the written and, and press media, but from the broadcasters as well. But um, you know, how often have we seen you know these push notifications come back later yeah. on with correction in uppercase? You know, yeah. when the facts have changed, mm. and I think that um, this, as Al said, it's damaging to the business of aviation, um, and uh, and what on earth the guardian are doing re reporting stuff uh for for a, a qf aircraft you know 13 14, miles away um w w on completely normal operations it would appear um is, is beyond me as well so um yeah it, it, the journalists uh, the more responsible ones certainly have a problem but there's also the, the written media who just just want to get a story out there at, at any cost it i mean i think seem. because of the you know the media being able to utilize the internet there's now not that time gap between getting the initial story and pushing it out, you know, the old sort of equivalent of stop press on the printed media. Now there's this just desire to get the story out there first, regardless as to whether there's any factual evidence to the story. It just seems to be a race to the bottom, really, in the media. And I'm absolutely appalled at The Guardian for, for joining in on this. Yeah. I mean, I've traditionally held The Guardian in reasonably high esteem in, in their reporting, but they just seem to be joining in that let's get the story out there, let's not worry too much about but the so facts much, or the so nature much of it. So much of yeah. it now, especially in the printed media, is actually more about selling newspapers. Mm. It's not so much uh, uh, quality journalism anymore. The, yeah. Again, I suppose they're in a similar boat where they're under a great deal of pressure from their editors in the fact that they need to write a story that's going to sell newspapers. And for some reason, the media at the moment think that terrifying the living daylights out of people like me, who are nervous flyers, that these stories are going to be of interest to, mm. to everyone. It, it's I, I don't I, I don't like it. I don't like it. But the main yeah, thing is, is just put in the chat room breaking news. An aircraft lands after a crew have done their job properly. <gasps> no. <laughs> that uh, I mean if this if this is allowed to sort of carry on, if you like, and I'm not suggesting that the, the media be censored, there will come a point where where crews will base their decisions on the media exposure of the decision that they make. Mm. And that is entirely wrong. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Have you noticed as well that the, so, so much of the reporting um, that you see normally in the written press rather than the broadcasters, um, that they state what they believe to a fact uh, to be a fact, and then comma if true. Yes. I mean, well, they, they yeah. shouldn't be reporting it in no, the first place no. if, they, if they haven't got if the facts, and, and there should be no room for uh, um, ambiguity about that. Agreed. 
Agreed. It's a, it's a, it's a subject that we're going to come back to uh, again and again, I have no mm. doubt. But uh, thanks for your comments, guys, on that. So, Dr. Steph, do you want to take uh, yes. the penultimate story? Sure. Sorry, I was just distracted by, I think that was a 737. Going oh. by. But anyway, penultimate story from the New York Times. Um, Airbus deliveries remain hampered by engine delays. So Airbus has delivered 47 aircraft in July to reach the halfway point in its target for the year. But its narrow-body A320neo family continues to feel the disruption from delays in getting the latest generation of engines from their manufacturers. The European planemaker said on Friday it had delivered nine of the upgraded medium-haul jetliners in July, bringing total A320neo family deliveries so far this year to 68, um, just a third of the full-year target of 200 for that model. Um... Airbus said last week its earnings had been hit by delays in receiving engines for the aircraft type and increased pressure on engine supplier Pratt & Whitney, a unit of United Technologies that has been hampered by a series of glitches. Total Airbus airplane deliveries between January and July reached 353 aircraft, propelled by brisk deliveries of the earlier A320 model, Airbus said in a monthly data release. That compares with a full-year target of around 700. Evidence of the uh, A320neo engine disruption could be seen on Friday in clusters of undelivered jets jammed into tight spaces around the perimeter of the Toulouse aerodrome. The maker has some two dozen aircraft roads painted in the livery of their airline customers, but yet to receive their engines, or in some cases, wingtip extensions. The majority of the jets are destined for airlines that have selected Pratt & Whitney's new geared turbofan engine, but a handful are also waiting for engines from CFM International. <coughs> Co-owned by Electric and Saffron. Uh, Reuters tally of jets parked without engines included six built for India, four for Go Air, a Pratt & Whitney customer, and two for CFM customer, Air India. India said on Thursday Pratt & Whitney had promised a solution by September. Others with yet unpowered jets included Mexico's Volaris. Asked to comment on the number of undelivered jets, an Airbus spokesman said it had delivered many more than at the same point last year when A320neo output was in early stages but it had expected to be more advanced by mid-2017. Hmm. We still target full-year A320neo deliveries to be around 200, but in view of the engine issues, this target becomes more challenging. Uh, Airbus introduced a caveat into its 2017 forecast last week, saying its target of more than 700 jetliner deliveries depended on its engine suppliers. Airbus, meanwhile, said on Friday it had sold four aircraft in July, typically a quiet month in odd-numbered years, comparing or coming after the Paris Air Show, to reach 252 for the year. That total fell to 205 after cancellations, leaving Airbus behind U.S. rival Boeing in this year's order race. Boeing has posted 446 orders through July 25th, or 386 uh, when adjusted for cancellations. Why they put the numbers in there differently? Like either you have them or you don't. <laughs> yeah, you, you have them or you don't. Uh, July's, or- July's orders included one Airbus A350-1000, dash uh, 1000, a large twin-engine jet due for deliver uh, first delivery by the end of this year. So Brian, obviously over over at the geeks, obviously you've got Max, and obviously Max is the engine guy for uh, for mm-hmm. your show. I mean, do we know what the issue is here with these um, these these Pratt engines? No, I'm gonna have to defer to Max on that. Nah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, don't know. Hey, one of the things that they didn't report in this story is um, this actually creating a shortage of the engine counterweights. So. Well, they have um, to hang under the wheels yeah, when right. the engine's not on. Oh, yeah, 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 because yeah, you need to keep it balanced, and yeah, okay. um, yeah so funny. Well, well, 
vivid. Yeah, it's uh, it's an it's an odd odd story, as you say. Is that uh, yeah, it's a problem. What the de- what the delays are? Yeah. Are the 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 Airbuses that that you fly, Al? I'm guessing they're all um, they're Pratt powered. No, no, absolutely not. Um, the 320s have CFM engines, okay. and the 321s have IAE engines. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're going to move on to the last story then, and it's a bit of a what I like to refer to as an and finally story. Yeah, so it's a I nice wonder, story. Brian, if I could trouble you to, to take that one for us. Oh, no, this one will make me cry. Okay, it's all right. You so, and me both. <laughs> yeah, so from the, the Daily Mail. Um, and and actually, is the Daily Mail a fine quality paper? No, or is no it, or, but we'll gloss over that. It's a nice story. Service, so we'll, it's a nice story. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll ignore that and move on. But, uh, <laughs> but it is it's a kind of middle-of-the-road newspaper. It, it tries to be grown-up, but it doesn't really uh, cut the mustard on that and, uh, you know doesn't do itself any any good service really by being quite sort of twisted in certain areas on its viewpoints <laughs> politically uh, i think yes <laughs> he says but uh, nevertheless this is a so, so feel good story is, yeah yeah it, it was the best moment of his life boy seven with a heart defect is granted his wish of learning to become a pilot so yeah, you can tell where this story is going. It's going to be a tearjerker. So a seven-year-old boy realized his ambition of becoming a pilot and what his mother described as the best moment of his life. William Kotos? Sure, we'll go with that. From Chicago, who suffers from a congenital heart defect, fulfilled his dream of attending flight school after invitation by the Make, the w- Make a Wish Foundation. And if people aren't familiar with Make-A-Wish Foundation, they do absolutely wonderful work in granting wishes to terminally ill children. Yeah. So much for the editorial there. Uh, The global charity arranged for the aviation fanatic to spend three days with American Airlines who offered both formal training and flying experience. Uh, One of the captains, Captain... Palmer Scheim, this is the reason why I don't read news, no. uh, personally spearheaded the adventure, uh, which began with William being surprised at his home. His mother, Kathy, remarked, he's been through so much, and this was probably the best moment of his life. That was kind of redundant. Uh, from there, he, he and his family were flown on a Boeing 787 Dreamliner to the American Airlines headquarters in Dallas. Upon arrival, he was presented with a tailor-made American Airlines pilot's uniform, not a costume, but a genuine outfit customized to William, I hope so, at seven years old. I think (laughs) he might be a tad bit smaller than other pilots flying for American, (laughs) Uh, which included hat, bag, and of course the all-important aviator sunglasses. Before undergoing the same training as a genuine uh, pilot at their corporate offices. Blah, 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 goes on. He had a great, wonderful time. And American, I think, did an outstanding job of spending three days with this kid. Yeah, it's such a lovely thing for them to do, really. It's uh, Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they could have easily just done, you know, 
a couple of hours and yeah. tick the yeah we've had our you know corporate responsibility mm. box and we've done the right thing to go to this length really speaks a lot for Americans. Yeah, but now Williams qualified to go fly at EasyJet. Right. <laughs> okay. Possibly. Yeah. yeah. We'll 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 glaze over that and uh, pretend that never happened. It's a nice uh, story. Yeah. It is. It's a lovely things story. like the, the, yeah. the, these kind of stories I think are hugely important. You know, because it's it's just yep. it's for young people especially. You know, to try and encourage more. Yeah. You know, well, in this case, I don't think it's encouraging. It's more just to give him an experience. Yeah, it's that, just, it's that, nice. Well, and obviously, I mean, it's very sad, obviously, because of the reasons why the this lovely little kid is is getting uh, this treatment. But I mean, also, it's it's something that the family will remember mm. like forever, mm. and 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 that's I think what's so so lovely about this story. So um, yeah, well done, well done to American for uh, for doing that. So we're going to move on now, uh, Nev. It's time uh, to bring on a Ooh, passenger yeah. experience. So if I could perhaps trouble you to uh, update everyone as to what they're about to listen to. Yeah, definitely. This is uh, one of my industry colleagues, a guy called Frank Emerson. And uh, Frank runs his own digital signage company. So he produces the content and also the hardware that you see at airports and shopping malls and retail sectors and all sorts of, all sorts of things like that. Um, this is um, from uh, June. And uh, we had a good chat about the, uh, the state of the aviation industry from the passenger experience point of view. And uh, obviously, Frank, being the sort of chap he is, which will become obvious as we play the interview, uh, was wasn't terribly impressed. Hello everyone, it's Nev here again with another in the series of my passenger experiences. I hope you've enjoyed the ones that I've recorded so far. This is another interview that I recorded whilst I was with my industry colleagues in Santorini in June of this year. And you can even hear the authentic sound of the clock tower in the background during this piece. This week I'm speaking with Frank Emerson and his company is responsible for a lot of the digital signage that you see in various UK airports. So he knows a lot about these places. I began by asking him whether he thought that the airport experience for passengers was improving. I think it's getting absolutely dreadful. I think it's one of the uh, the low points of any, any trip is... Uh, having to travel through the airport and it sort of starts pretty much immediately with uh, finding somewhere to park the car and it all kind of goes downhill from there really. The recent automation of passenger check-in, I can understand why it's being uh, being implemented but it's it's not really what you want when you're on a, you're in a stressful environment. Airports are a stressful environment and I think having to Having to deal with automated check-in, not having people there that you can rely on to give you sort of help and guidance and a smile and, and it, it just really uh, adds to the whole sort of stress of, of having to travel on an aeroplane. You know, I think when people went on holiday years ago, part of the excitement was going to the airport it's just completely changed and that's really a lot of it is down to I guess increased numbers of people the affordability of being of, of air travel but you know as it's become bigger um, and people are trying to put more to the bottom line the airlines are trying to make more money and introducing cost savings like automatic check-in like having to pay for food on on the aircraft unless you're prepared to pay the uh, the increased fare to go club or first class, um, which the majority of people are not not able to do and not prepared to do, then the whole thing is is you can't get it over quickly enough. You know, sitting even sitting on the once you're on the aircraft, there's not enough room 
if if you if you're travelling in economy, you've had it really. If you're a tall person, um, you've got your knees scrunched up against the seat in front of you, and then you've got the kids sort of kicking you behind, and you know it's it's the job really of the the staff on the aircraft to try and improve that journey, and and do it by just sort of making sure that people behave in a, a you know a sensible fashion. If there are children there that are a bit out of control they should be coming along and telling the parents to you know put them in order so i think i think it's it, a lot of it is down to the staff that's employed by the airlines to be honest they don't really care they're not uh, they're not that interested your your push for time you 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 find the check-in desk and then there's a queue and then you look at the check-in desks and there's probably 10 check-in desks and three check-in clerks. I mean, it's just just hopeless. And actually, you, you, uh, you, know, you hit upon the, the point very nicely there, Frank, because the, the, problem, the problem starts before you even get on the plane. And, and in some cases, um, particularly Manchester and Gatwick, I know, uh, all these you know, outlets that are selling booze at you know, five and six o'clock in the morning. So people are could be a little bit out of control even before they start yeah absolutely absolutely right i think i think you know it's a problem when you're dealing with big quantities of people large crowds of people it's difficult to manage difficult to police i mean i i i traveled from a small airport earlier this year london city airport and i have to say it was an absolute pleasure i mean they've got it right it's a small airport catering for small numbers of people and it's easy. The long-term car park is walking distance to the terminal, but the, the you know the, the, there is a bigger emphasis on good catering, so you can get you can get a, a nice snack and a coffee, and, and it's a relaxed atmosphere. And the walk to the uh, the gate is very short, um, and it's just much nicer. So we're talking about a, a situation here where the airline experience, the passenger experience is, is going downhill a bit. Where's it going to go from here? It's going to get worse, isn't it? Because there's going to be more people travelling. Um, you know, they can't decide where they're going to put this, this extra runway, whether it's going to be built at Gatwick or Heathrow or, or, or wherever. The increased volumes of aircraft is um, it's, it, it's, it's a big, big issue, big problem. I think, um, you know, one potential way of solving it is to put more high-speed links in between the airports and London, the the major city hubs and Manchester and places like that, so that you you know you get more of a more flexibility in being able to get to somewhere like Stansted, improve Stansted, improve Luton Airport, and and spread the load out. I think you know building these massive airports it's too big. Also, as you said earlier, for people like you and I that travel, you know, fairly frequently, we, we know what the score is. We we know what we're doing there. But what about the people that just travel once every couple of years for, for their holiday? It must be a nightmare for them. Absolute nightmare. I'm very interesting, actually. We we did a job up at Manchester Airport. We put some screens in up there, and you actually got people, elderly people, who were coming the day before their flight to check out the airport to see where they had to go, where they had to queue. And they were coming along at 10 o'clock at night and, and then going home and coming back to the airport the following day at 10 o'clock to, to check in because they were so nervous about the thing. I mean, it, it, it is a frightening prospect for a lot of people. You and I are probably able to cope with it because it's, it's something we, we do on a regular basis. But for a lot of people that are going away, you know, every year even, it's very, very stressful. 
you know, get it, making sure you're at the airport on time. And if you if you're travelling somewhere like Heathrow, and you're going around the M25, you, you know, forget it. You, you you've got to stay the night before almost. You just cannot predict whether or not you're going to get to the airport on time. So, literally, the minute you step out of your front door and get in your car, it starts. And what you want is to get somewhere where it's a relaxed environment people there to help you and smile at you and perhaps if they invested a bit more in customer relations it would uh, or customer relations courses um, it might help you know particularly through the um, through the scanners and uh, and the security element I was just thinking about the, the, the hotel that we're staying at here at the resort the airlines could take a leaf out of these guys books I mean because these guys are all about hospitality uh, and all the rest of it and uh, actually you know if you have a nice experience here you'll, you'll come back no absolutely right I think um, I think it's it you know the quality of the staff at some of these airports at the check-in desks is is just dreadful absolutely dreadful and it's it's all it's all jobs worth you know sorry you can't carry that that's overweight or you can't put that on or we've got to check that in a sand baggage or in in the hold all, all these rules and regulations i understand the need for them but the way they they kind of deal with you is just wrong the answer is no now what's the question yeah absolutely it's a service industry and and they should be providing a service and they're not couldn't agree with you more there frank well thanks ever so much for talking to us today really appreciate it okay great thanks Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. Thevoicesinyourhead.com The Plain Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal. Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pay us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com thanks, thanks for, for listening, listening. flyby 5823 trent dane for 23r manchester with air 6x client flight level 210 direct to bretman's park United, one, two, three, maintain two, eight, zero knots. Not anymore. I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Crash, crash, turn that down. 
Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. we go. <laughs> Excellent work as always, Nev. Thank you. Very well done. Yeah. I tell you. That, uh, anybody got anything to add to 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 uh, the points he ra- raised in in said interview? I mean, is there uh, uh, is is our standards really getting that bad? I think is the is the question I'm asking. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> okay. Right. Good. Uh, <laughs> That's from a from a United yeah. point of view. I think it's actually, I think uh, Brian, so, Brian, yes. Brian and Frank ought to get together. Actually, that, that we've a very very miserable <laughs> afternoon indeed. <laughs> <laughs> as long as there's beer, we can make it all okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true. Everything's all right with beer, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I'm 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 obviously going to talk to our, our pilot here. Uh, I mean, do you feel that that stat- Yeah, nice try. Uh, do you feel that standards <laughs> have um, slipped a bit, really, as far as uh, uh, sort of like the passenger experience is concerned, Al? There's there's two elements to this. We, in the last, I don't know, 50 years or so, have made aviation available to just about everybody at all yep. budgets. What we haven't done is we've not done a very good job at policing people's behaviour and expectations, and there has become in aviation almost a sort of, you know, drive to the bottom really yeah. we're starting to see some changes um but the bottom line is the bottom line and that's what people are really interested in there is a group of people who are prepared to pay the premium to to have some degree of comfort stroke luxury but we have created in some ways a lowering of standards by by default and you know if we were going to fill up shopping centres with the numerous, you know, bars and cheap booze facilities that airports seem mm-hmm. to have, then take people up in a shopping centre to 36,000 feet, cabbing altitude of 8,000 feet, and then ply them with more alcohol and see how they behave. It'll become as no great surprise that many passengers choose to badly behave on aeroplanes. Now, we have to look at that and decide how we want to progress, whether we want to, you know, bring aviation, you know, back up uh, to something that people aspire to want to do as an experience. Mm. We've had to go through the whole rigours of security since you know September the 11th, but airports in the main have been relatively slow at adapting to what is now a routine event of security. There are some airports better than others, but we, we still haven't designed many airports to deal with what has to take place. And I think we have to make the passenger experience at airports much, much better. Otherwise, we run the risk of, of you know, alienating our customers, really. I mean, there's, there's two, two ways that I look at this. I mean, I, I think from, from my point of view, I, I understand why people like British Air. I mean, you see, I, I've, I suppose I fit into the bracket that you're describing, really, Alan, the fact that aviation, as um, perhaps we knew it 20 years ago, was not something that 
I, on a minimum wage job, could ever afford to do. And, you know, with people like EasyJet and Ryanair coming along, it means that aviation, if you like, is now available to those with very limited budgets. But I certainly... Which is a good thing. It's a very much a good, good thing. thing. I agree completely. Uh, but I'm uh, perhaps I, I'm because I'm, you know, a little bit older, you know, or whatever, I don't know. But <laughs> it's, stop it. Uh, but it's the whole... I, I could... I wouldn't... I couldn't imagine behaving uh, like some passengers are quite well known t to do, if you like. I mean, that's just not in me to, mm -hmm. to behave Absolutely. like that. But, you know, because you have to respect the people. Like the, you've got to respect the cabin crew and you've got to respect um, the pilots and, 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 you know, who are doing a very, very difficult job in very difficult circumstances. There's no two ways about yeah. that. Absolutely. And if I remember rightly, you used to work in the pub trade. Right? I did, that, yes. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So, you will, yeah, and you will know that in... The town or city or whatever where where you you run a licensed premise yeah, that bungie, there will be certain yeah. bars or pubs <laughs> uh -huh. that just don't care about the level of clientele that they have they just want to serve as much cheap booze as they yeah. can and then we'll be quite happy for other people mm. the police or whatever to pick up the pieces afterwards mm. and in some ways that's what aviation has to to deal with in that yeah it's great that we've made it accessible to people yeah. on on all budgets but we also have to encourage, cajole, and if necessary, police people as to how to behave. Is, is it well, Captain, is it Captain Al, I think that, that you're right in that it's their business model to go after that end of the market and support it the way they do. The problem that I have is when you have legacy airlines or other airlines that present themselves as providing a superior product, join in the race to the bottom yeah. and they're yeah. the ones that are not keeping the, the standard high for the industry and or that segment and, 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 and i, 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 it, I it's totally to mention, fine having an ultra low-cost carrier providing a bare bones product and that's exactly what you're buying i, I mean i i because uh, I, I think and of course british airways mm -hmm. are i i feel uh, perhaps guilty of of doing exactly what you say is that they you know they're they're lowering their their products i mean mm -hmm. i know people that would use british airways because um you know you expected as a result of who you were flying with to receive a certain level of standard and and i, I fear certainly from some of the the interviews never's done previously as well we, that doesn't seem to be that you, pe people who were expecting that kind of service are not getting that kind of service anymore. I mean, you almost expect it with the likes of Jet2 and, um, and, and EasyJet and Ryanair and that. But as you say, I mean, people always used to look to say, and I'm using British Airways because it's the one that, that rolls off the, off the tongue. Uh, you know, you expected a certain type of standard and, and they are adjusting their... I mean, Neville, correct me, I'm sure if I'm, I'm speaking out of turn, but they, they, you know, I do feel that they're... Um, you know they they are joining that race to the bottom as you as you put it brian i mean it's uh, it's uh, a funny yeah. one uh, never uh, I, well, I think the thing that you know you, you might have noticed that there's been some negative comments yeah. in the passenger experience segment over the last few weeks but of course we always have to balance that with some positive yeah. things as well and next week's uh, interview is fantastic because um, i'm interviewing brian coleman are you <laughs> no <laughs> okay <laughs> So it's going to be all kinds of positivity. Yes, absolutely. It's going to be much love. It's going to be much love. The one I'm you. waiting for, Nev, is where you interview Alex Cruz. Yeah, well, I've, I've put in a request. It's been a bit quiet so far. Yeah. Well, that's a shame. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a funny one, really. It's uh, it's uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, is it? Is, do you do you think the airlines and the the uh, airport 
courts have got to get together a bit and maybe glue everything together a bit better. Is, is that going to be the answer? No, really what I was going to say is... Go on, Steph. Sorry. Go on, Steph. I think, I, I think I'm missing out on all of this bad behavior stuff that everyone else seems to be experiencing <laughs> because I can think of maybe one or two flights where something hasn't gone quite right, but it's usually not anything to do with poor passenger behavior, poor uh, customer service. It's usually something out of the control of anyone, whether mm. it's mechanical problems, weather-related problems. But even then, it's been handled reasonably well where people don't get upset or frustrated um, and I know there's all these news stories. We always talk about the news stories of bad behavior, poor customer service, race to the bottom. But <laughs> personally, I don't see a lot of it. So I'm, I'm not sure, you know, if that's just me and I'm unique or I look at the world through rose colored lenses, which might be part of it. I don't I drink enough alcohol that I'm maybe the person who's the problem. <laughs> and so I don't see that. Maybe that's why you don't see it. Yes. Oh, no, Dr. Steph, a perfect example is uh, last week I had to fly up to San Francisco and I was fortunate enough to get mm-hmm. upgraded and I was very happy to, to be there and enjoy the, the comfortable seat. And because it's such a short flight, they serve a, a beverage and then they come around with a basket of snacks. And they did the service and there was still, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes left in the flight. And I asked for uh, to see the, the bag of snacks again. And they said, no, they only serve once. <laughs> so that's sort of the okay. race to the bottom. I mean, here you are in first class and I'm asking for a 15 cent bag of chips. Yeah. And they're saying, no, that, right. I, that's the race to the bottom, I think. Mm. Sure. Yeah. I, I, oh, interestingly, for your flight, Brian, was that a? Uh, I'm assuming that this was with United. It was. Yep. Um, was it <laughs> United Mainline or was it one of their French? Yeah, no, it was. It, it was Mainline. I really tr- try and avoid the regional carriers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, Richard Williamson, who, uh, welcome to the chat room. It's first time uh, we've seen you. Welcome. And he says, "Hello, all. I do believe that uh, people shouldn't get into an aircraft when they're inebriated, but ground staff regularly let them." Uh, get to the aircraft, and then it's very much out of their hands, which is a good point. Uh, also, uh, Captain Jeff suggesting that you might be a, a, a very angry junk, drunk, Steph. This is this is um, very distressing. <laughs> <laughs> you may have seen that a time or two. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And then I never remember the next day. Yeah. Right. That's why I was okay. Maybe Always I'm willing to put on the boxing gloves. Actually, right. you, you know that airline <laughs> we talk about on the show a lot, Jet Two, that have the yes. uh, the, yeah. the, the the interesting clientele. Yeah. Continue. Um, um, guess who's flying with them today to to um, um, Benidorm? I don't uh, know. Our t-shirt wearing chap. Oh, what, Mr. Caton? Mr. Caton. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> he's off. He's off to Benidorm with Jet Two today. So Is he? Um, right. Okay. Ho- well, we look forward to. A, hopefully, he's got there. Yeah. Hopefully, we look, we we're, say we look forward to an update uh, when he gets back. Uh, Owen's actually just saying I find there are too many people that are quite rude and disrespectful. However, there are relatively few incidents where people are difficult. Mm. Uh, I don't know whether that's maybe just because of cabin crew being so good at sort of pacifying or dealing with it. Maybe perhaps I, I get I get upset and mm. really annoyed. You know, if if I don't get a, a flight deck visit, you know, right there on the ground, <laughs> okay. uh, I do get okay. upset. Yeah, Michael Mikolos is saying actually easyJet, you get what you pay for. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, oh, that's an interest um, in the United States. Who is the the lowest of the low cost carriers when it comes to fares and service? Is that Spirit by mm. chance? Spirit, Spirit Frontier, Allegiant, mm. yeah, yeah, probably the three of them. Yeah. Okay, and what would be their sort of you know cheapest fare that you could reasonably expect to to buy? I've seen fares no going idea. from California to Florida bucks? for fifty nine dollars each way. Yeah. Mm. Okay. But it's and then they get you with all the add-ons. 
okay. you know, if you want if you want your seat, if you want your bags, if you're carrying any bags checked or otherwise, Oxygen. if you want any food, if you forget to print your boarding pass before you show up at the airport, right. and yeah, sure. the, the yeah. fees make the ticket every bit as expensive as a mainline carrier. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, it's it's all about how um, things are marketed, really. But what I was yeah. trying to see is to try to judge where you have in the United States. It is not uncommon to drive great distances to go on vacation or to go and visit someone. There's that whole concept. I mean, I, I can't think of many people who would undertake a six or a seven hour car journey in the UK. They would just look at alternatives, whether it be the train or plane or whatever. Mm. Whereas I know that in the United States, people are quite happy to drive from, um, you know, I don't know, Alaska to Florida mm. and think nothing of it. <laughs> Indeed. Well, six hours is nothing. Eight hours is nothing. Twelve-hour yeah. drives yeah. sometimes okay. are nothing. People so, do that so, all the time. So there yeah. is a, a a culture of people who would simply drive, and mm. I, I actually think that in some ways, flying in the United States is more expensive than flying in Europe. Um, yeah. And I think, therefore, that the base fares usually are. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you're if you're not counting all the add-ons and yeah. luggage and printing your boarding pass and picking a seat, the base fares are you you can't find you know twenty-dollar fares anywhere. Yeah. Just doesn't, so doesn't there have happen. been quite a few news stories in, in the UK recently of people who have been wanting to go from one city in the UK to another. Bear in mind that the UK is incredibly small compared to the United States and have found right. it cheaper to fly to Spain and then back to the UK in the same day than it is <laughs> to actually go by car or by train. Well, there is um, that. Yes. So, so we do have, um, you know, well, very, you very low you. levels. Of, of regular gasoline fed. is yeah regular gasoline here for cars is is exceptionally cheap too yeah. so people don't really think about filling up their tank and no. driving across the state hey speak for your own state it's still expensive <laughs> here in california <laughs> I, I think the last time i purchased gas a dollar and 89 a gallon so wow but you're not allowed yeah. to sniff gas in california are you You've got those special devices <laughs> at, the, at the, the petrol station to stop you actually sniffing the stuff as you right. put it in you know so yeah. <laughs> okay right so, okay <laughs> moving swiftly on so yeah what, I, what my point is is that <laughs> um generally speaking there are there's a whole raft of of society who are uh, are able to access aviation in Europe mm. who have not previously done so and I don't think it's necessarily the same in the United States and a lot of our airports in the UK serve vast amounts of quantities of alcohol to passengers before they do get on the airplane and yeah. I forget who it was in the chat room who raised that yeah. and yes uh, it's absolutely correct that certainly in in mm. the UK cabin crew are very very good at dealing with passengers and yeah. de-escalating situations, the question is: Should they have to do it in well, the first place? Well, that's true, place? and uh, w there seems to be a bit of a dis uh, uh, an issue, perhaps between ground staff and the the cabin crew themselves. Are here, Richard Williamson is saying ground staff even uh, he, he's witnessed ground staff even allowing a passenger to get on the aircraft with their own bottle of wine, uh, and then started giving the cabin crew hassle when they said that they couldn't drink it. Um, yeah. and, and, and that's the thing, maybe, maybe we need to tighten all that up. Anyway, we could go on and on about this uh, forever and ever, but I think it's time to, to move on. And I'm going to move on very briefly with uh, something, because uh, obviously it is, uh, we're recording it Sunday, uh, the uh, 6th of August, and uh, it is actually somebody's... Way early somebody's, in the morning still. Yeah, well, indeed, yes. Uh, but it is actually not sniffed any gas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it is actually somebody's birthday, and he is a big friend uh, of the show. That's the lovely micro. It is actually... His birthday today. He's not in the chat room, but we thought we would uh, just wish him a little happy birthday. Yes. 
Nice one, Carlos. Oh, right, there we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Micah. Happy birthday to you. That was terrible. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, I, I did expect better out of you two because you are both very good singers. But, uh, yeah, I know. I can't really hear the the backing track in my in my earpiece. We should have got. We should have really got Doctor Steph to sing out because we. Everyone no, no, knows that's true. Everybody is, wishes uh, for, for apart from being Miss World 2017. Well, course, she's actually, also um, X Factor winner, yeah, of course, as well. absolutely. So, yeah. it's, but the performance so, like that, gents, you, you could go and launch the Super Bowl next year, right? Yes. Um, and so, <laughs> so we're going to say we're going to wish uh, the lovely, <laughs> Micah, lovely, happy birthday, lovely Micah. Micah, happy birthday, and uh, we happy hope birthday, there are many, 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 many more. Bless you. Oh. So uh, it's time now to uh, play out our last uh, uh, interview today. Uh, I think we've got, is it one more? One two more, more to Two more to come this, from, yeah. from Riyadh. So although we don't have a military section, because Al's done a very good job of making sure that that isn't the case. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm really disappointed. I was looking forward to the military. Don't yeah. tell me you oh, struggle yes. military. Yeah, Captain right. Al's middle name is also well, Pinocchio. Well, actually, but, uh, Al, Al will <laughs> like this, this particular interview, because this interview is uh, with uh, the uh, flight commander of uh, in the Royal mm. Air Force, who is the Airbus A330 MRTT, the multi-role tanker transport yeah. uh, pilot. And this is Kyle Thomas, and... Uh, he very, he very kindly invited uh, me and my father on board the aircraft. So here it is. Nice. So back again here at the Royal International Air Tattoo RAF Fairford, and uh, we've been very lucky indeed to come on board uh, the uh, well, it's a multi MRTT, the A330. It's based on uh, the multi-role tanker transport aircraft, and I'm here with Kyle Thomas. Uh, Kyle, thanks for uh, well for uh, allowing us to be on board the aircraft. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on board. It's uh, it's always nice to do these sort of interviews and uh, give guys at the other end of the podcast. Uh, the idea of what's going on with the aircraft and what we're up to around the world. Now, Carl, we've covered some stories uh, um, recently about this aircraft and you know the role it plays and stuff in basic what the news tells you and stuff. But uh, tell us a bit more about the role this aircraft plays uh, and, and what it basically does. Yeah, so we uh, we have various roles actually. We're, we're quite busy with the the setup we have: two squadrons, uh, one A one and ten squadron, both doing the same things. We fly as mixed crews. Um, so the sort of primary role that we do is air-to-air refueling, and uh, that's our main thrust from from the aircraft. So uh, supporting UK and coalition assets, whether on training exercises in UK airspace or on operations worldwide. Um, we have an aircraft permanently down in the Falklands, um, protecting our territories down there with the typhoons. Uh, we have a UK QRA capability, so that we're on call 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Uh, if we launch a typhoon, then we will launch with them uh, to give them fuel so they can stay on station and intercept whatever aircraft may be deemed a threat to the UK. Uh, outside of that, we've got our air transport role, so we have uh, several routes around the world that we uh, routinely fly as a schedule, uh, moving troops uh, and equipment back and forth between these places, uh, and of course ad hoc tasking that comes up uh, all the time to different and uh, sometimes nice locations in the world, other times uh, more austere. Uh, and of course now we have uh, a, a, an aircraft fitted out with the E-cabin, which is our UK state aircraft, uh, which I'm lucky enough to be involved with, uh, which is a really interesting uh, extra role that we've picked up. Uh, tell us a bit more about that. What's what's that involved? Yeah, with the bits that I can say about it, obviously we uh, we've got a, a list of uh, people uh, who are eligible to use that jet uh, from the royal family, the prime minister, uh, and some senior officials, uh, and we will take them to meetings such as the G7 and the G20 summits that you may have seen on the news recently. Uh, and we uh, were contracted to do X amount of time a year, uh, and we we work for them in that role. 
uh, to get them there on time uh, and be on standby for them should they need to uh, come back at a uh, moment's notice. So I'm guessing the cabin interior in that particular aircraft is slightly different to the one we're in now? It is. So um, you may have seen some things in the press about that. They're, they're fairly accurate. Uh, we have a conference area, um, a business class section with fully flat live flat beds uh, and a section like you're standing in here which is a premium economy legroom but an economy seat um, which we have down the back for support crew and uh, for other passengers, journalists and, and things like that. Um, we offer a, a VVIP service so all our cabin crew are trained to, uh, for that, uh, the ones that are selected to a higher standard, uh, offering silver service uh, and that sort of thing on the aircraft. Uh, and our pilots especially handpicked uh, for their flying ability for uh, smooth uh, and accurate flying I suppose if you want to put it like that. Um, very, the way we taxi the aircraft and all that sort of thing is all, all done to a, a different standard maybe than you would expect from an, a normal line guide perhaps. Uh, and we also operate a mission manager uh, on the aircraft who will be uh, a pilot who liaises with the principal staff, uh, ground crew and things like that to make the mission run smoothly and keep the pressure off the flight deck so they can concentrate on the, uh, the sort of important timing aspects uh, of those routes. So quite a few of our uh, regular contributors to the show are Airbus pilots. Um, most of them fly the uh, the 321s, uh, 320s, and 340s as well. Uh, and one of the guys also has flown the 330. How much different? Obviously, we're standing in this aircraft now. It's 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 geared up just as a passenger aircraft is inside. How much different is this aircraft, you know, to the uh, to the you know the passenger variant itself? Yeah, so the actual airframe is based on an A330-200. The flight dynamics and characteristics underneath are exactly the same as the airliner. So it has the same protections, the same flight control laws, and indeed the flight deck is pretty much the same. We have some additional fuel pumps uh, and things like that for our air-to-air refuelling. Uh, and we have a different comm suite and a bit of military kit on board. But the actual underlying flight characteristics are the same. Uh, and then we have an additional control law, which Airbus pilots will be familiar with, which is tanker law. Uh, and that's something we put the aircraft into when we are air-to-air fueling um, and that's just to, to make the aircraft perform better for the jets outside uh, and to give us some protections on speeds and things for the minimum speeds for the hoses uh, and things like that. Uh, but other than that it's, it's, it flies the same. Um, the pods on the wings which you will see outside where we have our uh, wing hoses, uh, they have a restriction on Cat 3B auto lands at the moment uh, but that's something we're seeking to get for a clearance uh, to be able to use that but, but other than that uh, the aircraft is capable of doing it, it's just a clearance. So there's, there's no real difference on the actual flying side uh, than anyone who's flown one of the Airbus types would be used to. So the, uh, this aircraft itself, is a fairly new aircraft? Uh, yeah, so they've been in service now with us um, for about, uh, fully, fully operational, about five years. Um, so they're all new frames. The last uh, of the frames was delivered in September 16, so not that long ago. Uh, 334 that we're on at the moment was one of the earlier ones, so this is about uh, five years old. Yeah. So uh, the, the aircraft that kind of came before this, uh, one of my favourites being the TriStar, the L1011 TriStar, obviously they've um, since been retired um, for, you know, for tank and transport roles and stuff. Um, this aircraft itself, do you think this is a really good proven uh, bit of kit for the job it does? Is, do you know, does it um, you know, uh, do the job well? Yeah, so I didn't fly the TriStar before, so I can't come on how that performed with regards to the TriStar, but certainly for the job we're doing now, we're making a 98.5% serviceability rate, which is unheard of for most military airframes, and certainly a lot better than the L-1011 and VC-10 were achieving at the end of their service. Um, we're carrying up to 111 tonnes of fuel on board, so you know we, we don't have any extra tanks, we can still take people and trail jets with all of the kit that's required to do that to, to distant places. So I mean, it, it's absolutely fantastic for the job. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable really the capability of the aircraft. It is a, a step change from what we've had in the past, certainly. 
Is there much of a range difference between this and the passenger variant? I mean, can, it's, can this fly a lot longer distances? No, so there's no extra tanks in this at all. Um, so the A330-200 has the same wing and centre tank, the same fuel capacity that we have, although they probably wouldn't fill it up as much because, obviously, the, the more fuel you put in, the less people you can carry. Um, so our range is, is identical to that of, uh, of a civil variant of the A330. Um, it just means the way that the, uh, the wings work were perfect because they're a common wing with the A340, so where the, those engines would be on a 340 are our, our pods for the outboards. Um, so the fuel system had very little to be done to modify it. Uh, so it means, you know, we, we can fly, I mean, technically we could fly direct to the Falklands with a fuel load, full load of fuel, but not very many passengers. And, uh, and obviously our crew duty would run out before we did that because we don't have a rest facility on board. Um, we don't really need one because of the way that we, we, we operate. Uh, but no, it's, it's, in terms of range, it's identical. Uh, there's no difference to the actual fuel tanks and, uh, and the system like that itself. Fantastic. So a bit about yourself, Kyle. Where did uh, things start for you, your career? Where all the flying PPL or...? Uh, so I started flying when I was uh, quite young. Um, I grew up in uh, between the UK and the States. My family were out there, so I started when I was about 12 years old. Um, I then went to university. I was sponsored by the RF, uh, so I was on the University Air Squadron uh, in Oxford. Um, when I then did officer training in 2006-2007, uh, uh, I did elementary flying training. I went row three, so I, I flew the Chinook uh, until 2013. Uh, I did a couple of seasons on the display team as well, which was very nice. Uh, so familiar with air shows and, and uh, podcasts like this. Uh, I then went over to the C-130J Super Hercules for 18 months uh, and then uh, you, you may have heard we, we were sort of redistributing those and uh, getting rid of some of the shorter ones. Uh, so I came across to Voyager at that point uh, in 2015. So I've been here for just under two years now. Uh, so I've had quite an interesting career. I've bounced around all over the place and, and that's great because fleets like this as well, I think it's quite nice to have the experience of different things come across, particularly with uh, a lot of VC10 at TriStar guys came in here, so it's it's good having a different set of eyes on things, and there's actually a few of us now from Rotary that have come across, uh, one of which is here today as well, uh, from the SAR force. Um, so it's really interesting for that cross-pollination and, and keeping things uh, keeping things interesting, really, to be honest. Do you do any GA flying yourself? Uh, yeah, so uh, um, I, I still actually do, so I, I, I still fly a PA-28, uh, I've got a tail dragger rating as well, I've flew a chipmunk for, for quite a bit, uh, and I started flying on Cessna 172 in the States, um, so I, I've been quite lucky to fly uh, quite a few different things. Uh, and I, I love flying, so it's great to take your wife or children or friends out in a, in a PA-28, you know, and show them what you do, but go out for lunch places and things like that. And we're very lucky to have aircraft at Bryce Norton as well, we have a military flying club there that allows us to do that uh, fairly economically as well, which is nice. So what's the future then hold for you, uh, Carly? Got any big plans for the future and, and where you want to progress to or, or other aircraft? Yeah, um, I, I'd like to stay on this airframe. I, I, and uh, I really like the VIP side of it as well. It's a really interesting thing to do. And the air to air fueling is, is, is fantastic. So it's, it's something you know fairly new to me and, and that's great. So I plan on staying here. Um, in terms of my career, I'm not sure yet whether or not uh, I'd like to go a bit further up the chain in command or whether I uh, step out and keep flying at an airline. See, this is quite a nice uh, bit of experience to have for that. Or whether I do something completely different uh, and just keep flying uh, in general aviation to scratch that itch, I, I don't know. We'll just see where the next couple of years of my tour take me and uh, I'll make a decision from there. But uh, I don't have any strong desires to step out from the RF right now. It's, I think it's quite an interesting place to be, to be honest. Yeah, I think a lot of the pilots we talk to tend to, uh, a lot of the airline pilots tend to come, have come from an RF background and gone, moved from the RF and gone into the airlines. Um, and they all say it's a fairly easy sort of progression on. 
Uh, it is, and because we actually here as well have the civil training, the type rating that we do is all, is all based around civil procedures. Um, and we also fly sometimes with uh, air tanker cabin crew, so civil cabin crew on these uh, on the military air transport flights. It's part of the contract with the way that leasing works. So that's quite interesting. Uh, we have sponsored reservist pilots from air tanker as well, who are civilians that then join. Uh, the SR service to do some of our military routes but they still fly the civil jet as well so I've been on a trip recently actually where uh, that chap had never been in the military before he was an ex-Lufthansa pilot and a load of civil cabin crew so that's quite an interesting insight almost into the way that civil civil guys operate because it's very different so I kind of felt like the only military guy on the aircraft Um, so that's very useful to get used to to that operating environment Uh, and actually I think it brings a lot to us because the training is is quite different and they, they do think about things differently and I think that's got value for everyone, uh, particularly in the air safety uh, sort of realm, um, and I, I for one, I, I think the, the setup is fantastic uh, with what they're supporting us with um, in terms of um, planning the operations, everything that they do for us. Uh, I think it's only enhancing this operation, enhancing the air force capability, which is, is a really nice place to be. And of course, like you say, it's a great stepping stone if you say wish to go that way. And people do; they they cross over, and I, I think that benefits the civil world as well because they're bringing uh, you know a set of eyes that uh, from military flying to a company that may not have necessarily thought about it that way before so it's good for everyone so what we always uh, do on the show uh, carl is ask our pilots who we interview on the show one last question before we wrap things up uh, it's kind of drop you in it question really so uh, it's uh, basically given the chance to fly any aircraft either retired or still flying now military commercial you know uh, whatever aircraft what would uh, would be your aircraft of choice you'd love to jump into now uh, absolutely easy one for me it's, it's, it's really yeah absolutely I've since I was four years old I've always wanted to fly a Spitfires and that might sound a bit corny from an RAF pilot but it's something that I still hope to maybe one day be able to achieve uh, it's, a, it's a dream to do it and, and that, that, is, that is it if I had one day left on earth I'd be stealing one <laughs> yeah, I've heard we, we we covered a story a few weeks back where they uh, there's a, a company that does uh, a joy like kind of joy flight uh, a flight experience uh, for uh, half an hour I think it is four and a half grand from Goodwood I think yeah. isn't it Yeah, I actually have considered doing that. I, I, my uh, my English home is in Chichester, so right by Goodwood. Uh, <laughs> I, I grew up a mile from the airfield, so I'm well aware of their operation. And I, I have many times considered try- doing that, but my wife would kill me. If I- <laughs> but you never know in the future. Um, yeah. Uh, that's something I really do hope to do. Well, Carl Thomas, thank you ever so much for giving uh, giving us your time today and allowing us on board this aircraft. And thanks for your service as well. And uh, all the best for the future. Thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. What a really nice man. He was. He was fantastic. He's actually been in touch with us since uh, since I took an interview with him, and uh, he's uh, said that there's a very good possibility that we can uh, get to some pilots from 101 Squadron uh, from other particular other aircraft to, mm. to come on the show so that okay. really watch good. this space then watch this yeah. space yeah I hope we all enjoyed that mm. uh, and that was uh, really good excellent day we, we had at Riyadh so uh, yeah. yeah absolutely so uh, we've got another air show coming up very very shortly we it's have in two Sundays time so it's not not next week but the week after yes. that is the 20th of August we're going to be live from the seething air show yep and uh, basically uh, it's, uh, it's I can't remember what the, the what it is but it's quite a cheap one it's not expensive to get in no it's not expensive to get in the under 16s are free to get yep. in at seething this year mm-hmm. and uh, I, I had not sure what the adult price is for the tickets to get in but um, but we will be there um all well pretty much all day on the sunday Mm. Um, and we're hoping that uh, that neb might be able to join us as well i believe yes 
Yes, I think my uh, car will go east from where I live. Right. And uh, uh, another very long journey for, for know, not I'm much sorry distance, about that. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. it? It's a bit of a thing. Uh, but to be fair, your car, your car has had a reasonable rest this week flirting with JCB. So uh, I think it's... Uh, yeah, yes, <laughs> it, well, it, it it's needs been to go, going up and down the M6 like some mad yeah. thing. And uh, <laughs> next week will be the same. Yes. Uh, I should be in the near Captain Al country on Wednesday, in fact. So, uh, yeah, all over the shop. <laughs> You're right. You're right there, Al. Have you? <laughs> no, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I was just thinking what a, what a top bloke commander, flight commander Thomas was, and yeah. um, uh, how it must be a great shame for him to have ended up flying a grey one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 he'll be he'll be watch he'll be listening to this and watching this. So <laughs> no, you'll, have, you'll have to get. I did think about um, you know how we could snazz up the military part, and right. you know maybe if we just you know did like hashtag Fifty Shades of Grey, maybe <laughs> no, you could get the listenership no, up. Oh, no, 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 no. no anyway, he, well done. The, the, the best part of that, the best part of that uh, was uh, was was bypassing a huge queue of people to, who were right, waiting to get to on board the aircraft. Yeah, right. I have to say <laughs> massive thanks to, uh, to to Kyle for for, yeah. for uh, pulling me in me and my dad onto the aircraft ahead of uh, Did you have any remorse to all the crying children in that queue? <laughs> None whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. This me, no. It's all about oh, the aviation. So uh, that is uh, where we need to wrap things up, I'm afraid, yeah, we guys. Do. Uh, we need to bring episode number 176 to a close. Thank you so very much uh, to our for guests. all of you for listening. Just before we go... Oh. Oh. Oh no! Yes, yes. <laughs> I just Ow. wanted to say and personally apologise to anybody who was genuinely tuning in to listen to the military news, and I, I'm <laughs> sorry that I, I completely destroyed your your listening enjoyment by uh, dragging this out as long as I possibly <laughs> can. So All your hopes and dreams. I know. Yeah, I know. But so, there we are. It's so, been, ladies, send your, send your complaints but, to Captain L. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You'll find you'll find him on Twitter. Yeah. It's fine. But having looked at the at the show notes that that you sent out in advance. You've not missed anything. Okay, right. <laughs> so, uh, saying our goodbyes, then we're going to start with uh, with ladies first. Then, so, uh, Doctor Steph, we're going to say a massive thank you to you for taking time out at the end of your uh, your trip. And uh, to, yeah. to, for joining us today, really, it's yeah, been, thank it's you. been great to catch up with you. In case they're stuck under some kind of random stone, how on earth do they get hold of the marvelousness that is APG? Uh, well, they can head on over to airlinepilotguy.com and you can find all of the information there about listening to our podcast. Um, you can find me on Twitter, um, Dr. Steph Plum on Twitter. And yeah, we do a show about once a week for those who, who don't know. Um, times a, vary, so I heard you a rumor there website, might, you can usually... Hmm? I, I heard a rumor there might even be one possibly tonight. Or did or that, or, yeah, or, or perhaps, <laughs> perhaps that was uh, perhaps, perhaps I misread oh, that sorry. in the chat room. When, you know, Steph, sorry. Sometimes it's news to me too. So, no, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. I'm just Jeff told us all except me. Yeah. Up in the executive lounge at uh, at the airport and fit in yeah. APT before the flight departs. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. that would be something. So actually, I mean, I really had not a whole lot on the agenda today. So this was wonderful, and thank you guys for the invitation. Uh, it was nice yeah. to be able to join you for. For a little while here. Yeah, thank you, Steph. Costa Rica, and you know, in a little while, I got to pack things up and yeah. head home. It's actually the uh, the the time difference. Uh, actually, Jeff was asking me earlier what time I get back tonight, but um, it's it, he says I'm no longer a part of the crew. Uh, How rude! <laughs> yes. Oh. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. It's all gone horribly yeah, wrong. <laughs> That's so, so fickle, you know. We just use and abuse. <laughs> yep, indeed, indeed. So no, it, no, don't worry. I will be back on on the APG because as it's 
also also rightly noted, I am HR. So yeah, indeed. Well, you know, if you if you do get chucked out, Steph, you can always come and join us. <laughs> that's here, never going to happen. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> firing a shareholder, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's, that's not how it works. Yes. A little bit, a little bit. We always also want to say a massive thanks as well to Pasadena Brian, Brian Coleman. Thank you ever so much for joining us uh, on the show today. Yeah, and Carlos, thanks so much for, for having me on and the promotion as well. So my title at Airplane Geeks is actually associate producer, so okay. not chief <laughs> executive producer or whatever oh, said, but it really doesn't matter. The pay is still the same. Right, okay. so. Indeed. Indeed. So in case um, there be, other people have been stuck under a stone, how do they find the marvelousness that is Airplane Geeks? You'll find so them on course, a Royal Caribbean ship. No, you won't. <laughs> no, that... I I actually needed a backdrop to hide the contents of my bookcase because it was so embarrassing. And rather than clean it all out, I just figured oh, it was easier it's, to it's hang a, a banner. Oh, rated show and you didn't want to reveal the contents of your Quite bookcase. Quite right, Mills right. and Boone. <laughs> Sorry. Be, be, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> it no, thank you, no. Brian. Yeah, so, of course, go into the show AirplaneGeeks.com and Facebook and Twitter and all those things that I don't participate in. Uh, right. You can find information about the <laughs> okay, show. Yeah. Sending me an email, best place is Brian at AirplaneGeeks.com. I also wanted to do a little bit of self-promotion here in that I'm getting ready to go on my holiday and Ooh. I'm going to South Africa and <gasps> Germany. Oh, wow. So if anyone wanted to do That's a... That's one heck of a cruise, Brian. How long it is it for? <laughs> Yeah, um, almost a month, quite honestly. Wow. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. So I'm going to have some time in, in Cape Town, August 25th to, to 30th. So if anyone is in Cape Town that wants to get together then, we could arrange something. If anyone is in Johannesburg on September 11th, could do that. I'll be have in a look for my suitcase whilst you're there, please. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll try and get it back for you. Um, since apparently I'm going to be car uh, carrying Captain Nick's balls back to England next oh. time I come back. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he left him in Pasadena, apparently. So okay. uh, I volunteered to bring his balls back to him. Right. Okay. Wow. No, uh, I believe they were bocce balls or yeah, some right. sort Good. of okay. British lawn bowling. Lawn, thing. lawn bowling? I literally have no words. Anyway, uh, okay. And we're going to say. And now we're going to Captain well, Al. Oh, no. We're, we're two more cities. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, sorry. Carry on. <laughs> you were worried this about is like my one more thing. Indeed. Anyway, Brian, carry on. So, so I'll be in Hamburg September 14th and 15th, and Berlin September 16th and 17th. Very good. So, And, and I'm going to get together with uh, uh, Tillman in Berlin. Tillman. Which days are you going to be in Berlin? 16th and 17th of September. Uh, oh. Are you going to be there? like three days before me. Oh. Yeah. No. That is just, Rats. that's that's yeah. typical. That I is. don't get there until the 20th. So, so if, so if, no. and, and if they want to uh, get in touch with you, Brian, to sort of arrange a meetup, it's brian at airplanegeeks.com, yeah? Correct. Yeah. Excellent. Well, That's it. Go. Thanks so much. No problem. So, uh, Captain Al, he says nervously. Uh, Captain Al, <laughs> uh, always a pleasure, <laughs> never a chore. Uh, it's been so much fun having you on, as always, mate. It's been a real pleasure. And um, thank you for sort of squeezing us in. So, where, where are you at the moment? Well, to be honest, I've lost track of where I am because I'm just trying to get the vision of 
Captain Nick's ball <laughs> in Brian's hands. And, <laughs> okay, and I just right. keep having this, the, the, these images flash before my eyes. So I, I really can't remember where I am or Good. what the name okay. of the hotel is right. or indeed which country I'm in. So, um, no, actually, I'm, I'm in Leeds this week. I, you'll largely find me in the sky um, cool. or sat in a queue waiting for an air traffic control slot <laughs> to be alleviated. Okay. Yeah. Um, or if, if you, you don't happen to be flying with me, um, and if you are, please do say hello, and I will probably say hello back. You can find me on Twitter um, at BigAlEvans70 um, or under a stone asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Having having a Or near the nearest ice cream van. Right, of course, yes, absolutely. Uh, Nev, as always, a great pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us at The Legend That Is, and I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, indeed, I'm looking forward to it. I hope hope the weather's uh, kind to us as well. Fingers and toes all crossed with not tired of anything else for for this segment as well, Nev. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. pleasure. Absolutely. Top work. Who have we got next week, by the way? Oh, it is Mr. Coleman, oh, isn't it? Yes, yes sorry. I, I've yeah. given you a bit of a preview. It yeah. is uh, the one and only Brian Coleman. And uh, he's got some very interesting views, as you can imagine. I, yes, I, I, well, and I, some of them are positive, too. Yeah, to be fair, actually, you gave a very I've balanced... I've just thought of a uh, brilliant idea. Uh-oh. <laughs> we're going to get some raffle tickets together. Right. And what we're going to do is we're going to sell them to raise some money. And right. the next time that Brian Coleman's in, in the UK, we're going to send him on a Ryanair flight. Oh, Yes. And yes. then we're going to get get Nev to interview him. There, there is there is talk of of, of Brian being <laughs> well in this done. area sort of January time. So yeah, I think I, I do mean, believe we Brian may well be <laughs> yeah. in the area. Yeah, what well. we're going to do is going to put him on a night Ibiza flight. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See if we can arrange it so that you're on the same flight with with uh, with someone else we know. But anyway, we're going to gloss over uh, that and say it is time to bring the show to a close. If you're interested in what you're listening to here, obviously, then you will find us on our social media. That is at Plain Talking UK. If you're on Twitter, it's facebook.com forward slash plain talking uk if you want us on facebook yes. and of course please do send in audio feedback we do love yes. to hear from we you had any for ages. we haven't had any for a little while so please do send it in it is podcast at plain talking uk.com so that's where we bring episode 176 to a close we'll be back to normal scheduling hours next week yep. uh, friday at 7 p.m we'll be live next friday for episode 177 indeed so that's it then. We're going to say a massive goodbye to everyone. Oh, so, uh, APG is uh, 5 oh, p.m. EDT, AP. 2200 UTC. <laughs> and uh, uh, just quickly, a, a massive thanks to everyone as well in the chat room who's joined us today. Yeah, it's been so, so busy today. It's been a busy, great. busy, yeah. busy chat room today. So thanks to everyone who's joined us in the yep. chat room today on YouTube. That's it. It's time to say goodbye, everyone. Wave. Goodbye. Wave. Bye. 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 Bye.